Hey, good morning, New York sports fans. I am Danielle McCartan. McCartan after midnight. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you until 6 a.m. on this early, what is it, Saturday morning, or as I always say, late Friday night. You're still out and about in that city that never sleeps. I'm coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in lower Manhattan. We're going to be together tonight, a lot tonight, you and me, till 6 a.m. I've got Emmanuel behind the glass. He's ready, willing, and able to take your phone calls. You guys know the number, 877-337-6666. And let's load them up with your best Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, Knicks, Nets even. And of course, on this very special night, your very special Don Imus memories. We are uh, going to have to start tonight's show on, on a bit of a somber note. Um, as you know, New York and national radio legend Don Imus, who, as many of you know, hosted the morning show here on WFAN nearly 20 years, for nearly 20 years, has uh, he's passed away at the age of 79. And I know you guys uh, know that I introduce all of my topics on the opening monologue with songs, and I wanted to play for you this song. It's Young Girl by Gary Puckett and the Union Gap, and I'll explain it in a second. is um, this is the first song that Don Imus played um, when he first came on the air. It was the first song ever in his career that he ever played, June 1st, 1968, in Palmdale, California. Um, and I thought that was a perfect little segue into, because <clears throat> you guys know that I do do the songs in the intro, so this is a perfect one for Don Imus. And um, I got to give credit where credit's due. Joe Salamino, who is... Uh, loyal Twitter follower. He did the legwork. He did the research, and he, he actually came up with that song. So just wanted to, to pay tribute in that way, and I wanted to thank Joe for that. And as you've heard all night here on The Fan, um, an Imus family representative has said, and here's the quote, Imus passed away on Friday morning at Baylor Scotland White Medical Center in College Station, Texas, after being hospitalized on Christmas Eve. Uh, I have not yet seen a cause of death. Lots of speculation, though. Um, I won't go into that out of respect for the family because I don't know what it was. Um, but he was 79 years old, and tributes are pouring in right here on WFAN's airwaves and across the country, on the air, on the internet, on social media, literally all night long since the news broke, what, around 6 p.m. yesterday, Friday? So tonight, each caller here on the station, each guest and each host has talked to his professionalism, his genuineness, his vision, and his sense of humor. And then I was listening before pretty much the entire Steve Summer show, and, and he played that 9-11 clip, and he mentioned how Imus worked well into the afternoon that morning, or from the morning into the afternoon that day. And, you know, as Imus was talking live, as it was happening with Warner Wolf, I mean— such professionalism, such tact, when the rest of us really could muster up the words to even to describe what was going on. And in an age predating smartphones and really widespread cell phone use, it was um, it was truly one of those where were you moments, as you know. Um, and where was I? I'll share with you. I was I was in my eighth grade lunch period when I found out actually, and we snuck up to. You weren't allowed to go up into your into the uh, 
anywhere other than like the lunchroom and the outside. So we snuck up into the science rooms because we knew uh, my science teacher had a TV. And if you're listening, <laughs> we snuck up and we watched it through the panes of your glass uh, in, your, in your science classroom while you ate your lunch. And you didn't, you never knew. Um, but for those listening on the radio that day, Don, Don Imus was the one narrating their story. And Don Imus is in their memories. And I also understand, too, though, that not everyone loved Don Imus. He was, uh, he was gruff. And unfortunately, one of the lasting memories of him was the Rutgers University comments. And for that memory, I was a freshman in college, ironically, in a course about social issues in our country. And the day it happened, my professor used the entire three-hour class to use the Imus comments as teachable moments for all of us in the room that night. I cannot remember. I think it was Professor Ivy, I think was her last name. I'm not sure. I was trying to remember it before on the way in. But um, I hope that you guys all had used it as a just a lesson learnable moment as well. Um, and the shock jock quotes there, well, I mean, times obviously have changed since that. And that moment will unfortunately live on in infamy as an unfortunate stitch in the fabric of radio history, but a, a stitch nonetheless. You can't ignore it either. And I, unlike anybody pretty much here so far tonight, I, I never met the radio pioneer Don Imus, but I, I have him to thank very indirectly for me to be sitting in this chair tonight, as Sal was talking to you guys about and talking to you at at the WFAN studios on WFAN Sports Radio. And because, you know, without... Don Imus, there might not be a WFAN. And I was listening to all the hosts and all the callers tonight, and I know now what Imus meant to this station, having given it life really from the, the very first day. And I've been listening all night, like I said, and I've been getting quite the education about his life and career from, from the shows tonight. And so unlike Mike Francesa, unlike Chris Russo, unlike Boomer Esiason, Mark Chernoff, Steve Summers, Sal Licata, their tributes. They knew him. You know, they, they had conversations with him. Some of them even were here with him since day one. The only personal anecdote I could offer is somewhat with his legacy, really. In, in high school, I tell you, when I went to high school, all of the sports captains were invited to or on a field trip to Hackensack Hospital. And this was, I'm telling you, the field trip to go on in high school because not everybody got to go, and it was one of the highest honors of being named captain of your sport. So as a junior captain of the softball team, I, I boarded the, the small school bus with a bunch of the other captains, and actually one of them, he might be listening actually too from, from Texas, but one of them went on to play with the Dallas Cowboys and then the San Diego Chargers, so that was kind of cool. But we, we actually pulled up at the Don Imus Pediatric Center for Tomorrow's Children. And as you know or may not know, Imus raised something like, was it 30 or $40, $40 million for the cause? And, you know, that day we met, we played with all the kids right there. It was right before Christmas. We brought gifts. And it's only now in, in reflecting upon it do I realize and appreciate the charitable work of Don Imus. Because these kids, despite all their hardship, the kids were playful. They were smiling. They had some of the best care in the world in a state-of-the-art facility. And that was all possible, I know now, because of Don Imus. And this is obviously a very sad day for radio. It's a very sad day for everyone here at The Fan, for you as well, and, and obviously a sad day for his family. And if you're listening and you want to contribute to his causes and to his passions, 
the family, I haven't heard this mentioned, maybe Sal did as I was trying to close my eyes before, but the um, the family is requesting that any donations be made to the Imus Ranch Foundation, which supports charities for children with cancer and other major illnesses, as you may know. Um, and I tried to get you the website for it, but actually when you when you type it in, it brings you to, if you go to tacklekidscancer.com, it's all the same thing. And I was kind of floored before because the image that shows up is is Becca Salmons, and who has beaten cancer and whose family I, I know very well. So it kind of came a little full circle for me a little bit um, in doing this tonight. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough transition to sports, but we are here to talk both I Miss Memories and sports tonight. So I'm just going to do a quick little abbreviated rendition of my normal routine, as you guys have always come to expect um, here at McCartan After Midnight. And please, I do not want this to seem insensitive in any way. So if you're calling up to reminisce about Don Imus, the radio pioneer, that's great. I will take every single one of those calls. And if you're calling up to talk about sports tonight, don't be afraid to, because I'm obviously going to take those too. So maybe I can get you started with uh, a couple relevant topics. And we'll start with the Giants. And the Giants and their fans are a little bit stuck in the middle between a rock and a hard place this week because a win, and and that was uh, stuck in the middle by Steelers' wheel, obviously, um, a win over the Philadelphia Eagles may put the Dallas Cowboys into the playoffs, and it may give incentive for ownership and management to keep Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman. Also, if the season ended today, the Giants would hold the number four overall pick. And depending on what happens around the league on Sunday or tomorrow, the Giants could slide backwards in the draft. But a loss can mean they could potentially slide upwards. But then again, a loss clinches the NFC East for the Eagles in MetLife Stadium. But that can mean then that Shermer and Gettleman are both, or neither of them, are out the door. So it's a very confusing time to be a Giants fan this week. And the Dallas Cowboys fans are also conflicted because they, of course, are rooting for a Cowboy victory and a New York Giants victory. What a time to be alive, as Drake would have said. So this is my girl, Carrie Underwood. The song is called Backsliding. Um, This is for the Jets. And did you hear that the fire alarm at the Atlantic Health Center went off during Adam Gase's press conference Friday morning? If that's not a sign from above, then I don't know what is. That he is the reason why the Jets are backsliding. And our own Brian Costello tweeted Friday morning that Greg Williams was asked if he wants to be a head coach. And he responded, I love it here. That was the answer. So I quote tweeted that and I said, he already is the Jets head coach without the title. He might as well collect a check like one. GW for NYJHC 2020. To which one of my most loyal Twitter followers, David, at DB Yankees one responded, Todd Bowles' record in 2018 was 5-11. and Adam Gase's record in 2019 is either going to be 6-10 and or 7-9 and in defense of Adam Gase. Are those records really that much better? Everyone slammed Todd Bowles for being a defensive-minded coach, for not getting much out of his stud quarterback rookie at the, at the time, Sam Darnold. Then the Johnsons brought in the offensive guru himself, Adam Gase, with his 23-25 and 25 losing record as head coach to remedy the situation and to get the best out of that same stud quarterback, Sam Darnold. Initially, Adam Gase did not pass my sniff test. That's on record. 
And in week 17, he still doesn't. Jets fans, are you satisfied with another 6-10 and or 7-9 and record? Another season where your team hasn't seen the playoffs since 2009 and 10, which was 10 years ago? Remember that? When Rex Ryan took them to the AFC Championship in back-to-back years with, oh, by the way, quarterback Mark Sanchez, who isn't half as talented as Sam Darnold. What I'm saying is, it's possible. And you gaze defenders cite progress, right? You need to look deeper into the record than the record, ladies and gentlemen. A record that still cements Gase as a career-losing coach, might I add. And coming up after the break, we can look at the Todd Bowles and Adam Gase. But in summary, Todd Bowles accomplished more in points per game, yards per game, pass yards, and rush yards per game than Adam Gase has this year. And Adam Gase, in conclusion, has a top-flight defense that was better than Todd Bowles' in any of those things. And Sam Darnold's progress, well, let's just say it's flatlining. So, will the Jets need help in the form of Antonio Brown? Or maybe the Giants? Will he fit here in New York? We could look at that, too. We're also remembering the life and legacy of New York and national radio personality Don Imus with your calls and your memories. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan after midnight on The Fan. With your help, City Harvest will rescue and deliver 59 million pounds of food for New York's hungry. So let's make someone's day a little more fruitful and dish out the love to nourish our city, one meal and one New Yorker at a time. Help us feed NYC at cityharvest.org. Imagine a gentleman's club with over 400 gorgeous exotic dancers every week. Hey, big boy. From the people who make fantasies come true, Gallagher's 2000 in Long Island City is the place to be. Gallagher's 2000, a gentleman's club for today, gentlemen. Gallagher's 2000. Features two floors, three stages, discounted drinks, VIP, champagne rooms, free valet parking, and dinner specials every night. Gallagher's 2000 is open seven days a week till 4 a.m. and offers complimentary lunch every day with any drink purchase. Come on down, big boy. Gallagher's 2000 is New York's largest upscale gentlemen's club, and Gallagher's 2000 bachelor parties will blow you away. For their bachelor party specials, call 718-361-1348. Gallagher's 2000 is located at 43-19 37th Street in Long Island City, just a half block north of Queens Boulevard. Call 718-361-1348. That's 718-361-1348. Gallagher's 2000 is unlike any club in New York. Come tonight for the time of your life. Gallagher's 2000. Let your imagination run wild. Is your fantasy football team already a lost cause? Are you ready to win a thousand bucks? Well, sign up for the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans 2019 Pro Football Pick'em. Pick the most games right each week for a shot at $1,000. It's a whole new contest every week. So sign up by texting FOOTBALL to 20357. Totally free to enter and $1,000 up for grabs each week with the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans 2019 Pro Football Pick'em. Text FOOTBALL to 20357. Good morning at 220. I'm Marco Belletti. One of the original shock jocks and host of Imus in the Morning for decades, most notably right here on WFAN. Don Imus has died at the age of 79 after he was hospitalized on Christmas Eve in College Station, Texas. Imus helped launch the fan into what it is, along with Mike and the Mad Dog. Chris Russo took some time to talk about Imus with Steve Summers. It wasn't for him, Steve. I don't know if FAN would have survived. Those early days, he gave us a morning show. That with the uh, moving to WNBC and, of course, the, um, you know, I think probably the Mets. 
That was a very important component there in the late 80s. Meanwhile, Jets running back Le'Veon Bell not exactly thrilled with being randomly selected to undergo a sixth HGH test this season. It's the second time he's voiced his displeasure, and it's unclear if he's actually going to go through with it. I said what I said last time. So, um, like I said, we'll cross that bridge when, when we get there. For the Giants trying to end the season on a three-game win streak, also deny the Eagles a chance at the NFC's title Sunday. Saints worked out wide receiver Antonio Brown, but want more clarity from the league if he'll be eligible to play in the postseason before thinking about signing him. Brown's still under investigation for sexual assault and sexual misconduct allegations. Hockey, the Blackhawks too much for the Islanders, 5-2, sent them to the third straight defeat. Rangers got a pair from Mika Zibanejad. They erased the Hurricanes, 5-3. Artemi Panarin, Ryan Strom, Chris Kreider all lit the lamp. Henrik Lundqvist stopped 39 shots. Meanwhile, at the Rock, a crazy ending. Toronto with it. Nylander, Nylander cuts in front shot, and they score! What? Somehow, Nylander was able to grab that puck a second time. William Nylander was credited with the game winner, but it was Damon Severson that actually accidentally chipped the puck past Mackenzie Blackwood for an own goal as the Maple Leafs survived the Devils 5-4 in overtime. Matt Lachlan, the call Devils Hockey Network on Radio.com. College football, Michigan State race Wake Forest in the Pinstripe Bowl 27-21. Air Force turned aside Washington State 31-21 in the Cheez-It Bowl. North Carolina Rock Temple in the Military Bowl 55-13. Texas A&M had Oklahoma State 24-21 in the Texas Bowl. And Iowa throttled USC 49-24 in the Holiday Bowl. With reports every 20 minutes, Mark Oval at AWFA and 2020 Sports. With that overtime win, Daniel Jones and the Giants look to wrap up their 2019 season tomorrow with a win against Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles at MetLife Stadium. Kickoff is at 425 with Giants game day underway at 210. Hi, this is Bob Papa. Join me along with Carl Banks and Howard Cross for all the play-by-play exclusively on your flagship station for Giants football. The Fan Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Danielle McCartan here, back with you guys on the fan on this uh, this somber night here. And, and Don Imus, obviously, as you know, has passed away at the age of 79. And I wanted to take first, it would be only fitting, Jose in the Bronx. You're on the fan. How are you, Danielle? Uh, it's really a sad night. I, I just uh, listened to the station for the last hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, uh, it was sad to – he's an icon. I'm 67 years old. Mm-hmm. And I, I listened to the fan since he first came on the air, and they were originally in in ten fifty. The fan came on AM ten fifty, which used to be WHN, the home of the Rangers and the Knicks, mm-hmm. and then they switched over to uh, WNBC, which had the six sixty dial, which you were presently on. Right. And right, and I don't think Imus was in the beginning. In the very beginning, I think what happened was when they switched when they switched to the dial, uh, Imus' show was already established in 660. And, you know, this is you know you, you could confirm that. And when right. they went from 1050 to 660, they kept this show in the morning, which he, he, it was an icon, you know. And uh, it, it's re- it's really sad. Uh, I've been listening to the station from in the inception and. Um, it's it's really it's it's really sad and 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 I remember in six sixty the actual the first talk show in New York was Bill Maser in in at WNBC six sixty the first sports show and then WHN ten fifty was the home of the Knicks the Rangers and the Yankees at one time mm-hmm. and I, I remember I remember Marvel Albert used 
to do the the Yankees post game post game show. But anyway, it, whatever it should be, it's it's really uh, uh, and and that song you played in the beginning with uh, Gary Puckett and you and the mm-hmm. gap it brought me a lot of a lot of memories. I really I really appreciate it. Oh, okay. You know, I'm from the I'm I'm from the Vietnam era. You know, and I was down in in South Vietnam at the time, and um, that song, you know, that that song uh, uh, brought me a lot of memories. You know, from from a lot of times, so I re- I really uh, appreciate it. And it's sad, you know, Don Imus is an icon. It's sad, it's sad the way he left of those comments yeah. over the uh, Rutgers team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of like the way that. Uh, uh, the GM from the Dodgers, uh, Al Campanis, left, who which, which was a great guy, and he made some some comments over in uh, in, in a TV show, and well, that's and what they put him nowadays. Yeah, yeah, nowadays, and you know they put him as a racist, but Al Campanis, God bless him, wherever wherever he's at, he he didn't have an inch of racism, and and if you see all these Dominican players playing baseball today. You could thank Al Campanis. Got it. Al, Al, Al was the first one to put the Dodger Academy in the Dominican Republic to sign. And now you have 30 academies in the Dominican Republic. But uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to take any more of your time. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, and it's really a sad day. Okay. I must, may he rest in peace wherever he's at. It's, it's an icon in, uh, in New York. Uh, radio and, and nationwide because he he and he 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 spread out way beyond New York and Danielle appreciate it you're a young lady and uh, I wish you the best thanks, in Jose. your career thank you and, and thanks Bye-bye. thanks for the call I appreciate that all right let's head out to Justin in Deer Park you're on the fan I just want to make a quick the timer's coming sure. if I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I have my dad Don Imus Prince jacket, which I had in tradition when I nearly lost my dad two, three, two years ago. Cardiac arrest, heart attack, he survived. So one of the times I had a jacket, I had that jacket with my dad for a while, and I just remember listening to Imus with my dad when I was younger, going to school every morning, and how much Imus loved Lee on Helm and always was playing Atlantic City by. The one and only Bruce Springsteen. Now my only my other point about sports. That's okay with you. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should have played that song then. <laughs> that would have been the best song. I remember if you even going YouTube, I believe Atlantic City, Leave on Home. It's just amazing. All right. All right. The Mets sign of Batantis. Yep. I think it's so good, but the concern is his health. His Achilles. My dad was a former surgeon. Achilles. He's one play away from even the partial tear from making a book, and then they could be done for the year. Done. I know. Just a very bad signing. I think he could have fit unless he comes down the way he was in twenty before twenty eighteen. The awful series he was on in the playoffs. Unless he has a good year, this is going to be a bad signing for the Mets. Well, I, I, Justin, thanks for the call. I, I think that's the uh, the risk that the Mets were willing to take. Um, it's not an expensive, con- it's not a break the bank sort of contract. It's and I, I, I always say this: it's it's one of those prove it deals. Obviously, um, I love those contracts. I love those kinds. And you know, he he 
did the the Achilles injury, the partial tear of the Achilles, by jumping off the mound after a strikeout. So, you know, it, that, it's it's a sensitive sort of injury. I get that. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, Brody Van Wagenen is, is a big-time gambler, it seems, with, with what he's done with the back end of this bullpen. In Edwin Diaz, obviously, in um, Uris Familia, and now adding Dylan Patantis, who is a gigantic question mark coming in to um, co- coming into the season, coming into spring training for the Mets, and and all reports are that he is good to go. I think he said it himself that he is good to go for spring training. But when, if Dylan Patantis is Dylan Patantis of old, I mean, this could potentially be the most dominant. Uh, either setup man or closer, however they're going to use it, in all of baseball. I mean, he he and two others, him, Josh Hader, and Aroldis Chapman are the only three relief pitchers to have 100 strikeouts in, in five consecutive seasons. I mean, we're talking top-notch stuff, swing-and-miss stuff from Della Patances. So I think, honestly, it was a good move. Go down to Camden. Kevin, you're on the fan. What's up, Daniel? What's up? Uh, I don't know, Don. I'm just like most of these callers, but I want to say I appreciate getting a chance to call in. Um, listening the past few hours, it's just been clear how much he meant to the station, so I want to say prayers to his family, even yeah. though I don't know him personally. But anyway, um, want to talk about the Knicks. Um, the fact that they're going to uh, the fact that the rumors are out that they're going to you know, players want out. I'm not surprised. But the one thing that catches my eye is uh, Dennis Smith Jr. wanting out because mm-hmm. he's a, for me, he's uh, he's a bust because, like, really, he hasn't really established himself in the league because, look, he didn't do nothing in Dallas. He's definitely not doing nothing in New York. And if he gets traded, think about this, his third team in less than a year. Yeah, that that's an alarming clip. Yeah. So I, I don't know if the Knicks can get much, but we'll see what happens. And thanks for taking my call. I always appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Kevin, thanks for calling every every time I'm on. Um, yeah, I mean, that's – that's. we could talk Knicks if you, if you guys want, but, I mean, he – Dennis Smith Jr. isn't the only one allegedly saying he wants out. I mean, there are other Knicks players that want out. I mean, this sounds like Odell Beckham trying to get out of his contract in, in Cleveland. I mean, the Knicks are their own separate – special type of dumpster fire, the Knicks. I mean, they have, talk about a head coaching carousel. They have a, a head coaching carousel second to none, okay? And they are they're operating right now under an interim coach who has won just as many games in, I don't know, half the time, a third of the time, as David Fisdale, the original coach, has won in, in what? Half the season. And then at the end of the season, they're going to reevaluate. They may be going to a new head coach. They may be having a, a new GM. I mean, this is this is just a mess. So if I was a guy like I don't know Marcus Morris or or, or Dennis Smith Jr., I mean, I, this is a sinking ship. They're like rats on a sinking ship. I would want out too. The only guy that can't really get out is R.J. Barrett. The guy's locked in. But, I mean, what could they get back for him? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, there are some guys that are untouchable 
uh, from the Knicks percent, uh, perspective, if I'm the Knicks, it's an absolutely no for any phone call on R.J. Barrett. It's an absolute no for any phone call on Julius Randle. I mean, R.J. Barrett, for obvious reasons, but, I mean, Julius Randle, talk about the guy's leadership. And not, not to mention the fact that he's scored like 70 points or so over the past two games alone. So will the Knicks ever make it back to relevancy? Mm, I don't know. To do it by trade, maybe? I mean, I saw a headline that the Knicks could be in on Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, that must have been clickbait because I didn't even click on it. Right? They were in on Kevin Durant. They were in on Kyrie, Giannis, Anthony Davis. Come on, guys. Give me a break. The Knicks could be in on any, any free agent. Any team could be in on any free agent. This is not a stable organization. The turmoil with this upper management and the turmoil at the head coach position. Listen, if I'm a superstar, let's just say, I like to think I am, but if I'm a superstar, I am not coming here to put my reputation on the line unless I am the final piece of the puzzle. Because I don't want the New York media dogging me, making me the scapegoat, and thus making me unemployable in my near future, in my next contract. No way am I going to put that on the line to put on, to put on the Knicks uh, blue and orange jerseys. So when you see these guys wanting out, wanting out, uh, yeah. I mean, this is an underperforming team. This is a, a team that's not even constructed the right way. I mean, who is the point guard on the New York Knicks? Who is it? And why on earth did anybody agree to having R.J. Barrett be the point guard early on in the season? I mean, really? And it all starts with Irving and Durant, which, by the way, where is Kyrie Irving? This is a fair time to ask this question. Where is Kyrie Irving, and why hasn't he put on a jersey in, what, uh, 16 games, is it? Something like that? Six weeks? Whatever. I mean, we knew Kevin Durant was going to be out, but, but where is Kyrie Irving? Then the Knicks, they got shut out of the lottery because they didn't get Zion Williamson, who, by the way, he's missed a ton of time this season. And I don't know. There's a few players on the Knicks who have said privately, though, that they'd prefer to be traded ahead of the... And we're going to be talking about this till February 6th. So we got plenty of time on this. That's when the trade deadline is. You deal Marcus Morris? I mean, he he's a player that's, that's going to fit right into a contending team. But he's also the player that's like the heart and soul of your own team. What do you do? I mean, he would be the he would probably be garnering the most phone calls, I would think. I mean, Dennis Smith Jr., as as Kevin talked about, buried on the Knicks bench. He plays 15 minutes or less. Hey, I would want out too if my ship was sinking and I couldn't do anything to fix it. And that's just how it is. But I don't know if you saw. The Knicks absolutely handed it to the Nets the other night. Coming into that matchup, the Nets had won four straight against the Knicks and five of the last six. And man, oh man, it it wasn't just a a, a win for the Knicks. I mean, it was a beatdown. It was an absolute beatdown of of the New New Jersey, (laughs) of the Brooklyn Nets. 
They shot 55-0 three-pointers, the Nets. What? They were 26% from the three-point range. 26.9% on all field goal percentages. I mean, terrible. It was historic. The Knicks put up that performance, and it's historic, and, and not in a bad way. The Nets made eight two-point field goals, fewest by a team since 1950, which is the beginning of the shot clock era, way before our time, Emmanuel. He's looking at me. we got to hit the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Joe Beningo here for Smithtown Nissan. Now, how many years have I been saying this? If you're looking for a Nissan, don't buy anywhere but Smithtown Nissan. It's worth the drive from anywhere because nobody, nobody does it better than Craig Fina. And that's why Smithtown Nissan is one of the top oil dealerships in the entire world year after year. They're as dependable as the cars they sell. These days, you see the names on the storefronts changing. You need to know that when you choose Smithtown Nissan, you're choosing a family-owned business, a family that has lived on Long Island and has operated Smithtown Nissan for over 50 years. You don't have to just take it from me. Just read the thousands of positive reviews on Smithtown Nissan. So don't think twice. If you're going to buy or lease a new car or truck or if you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle, now's the time to see Fina. He's been getting deals done for fan listeners for over a decade, and he's stellar people. So go to SmithtownNissan.com and better yet, go see Fina first. Get your next car. Looking for a new Cadillac? You'll want the Paul Conte Cadillac difference included. You see, it's more than our incredible value and savings. When looking at the new three-row XT6, why not get it from Cadillac's 2018 Dealer of the Year? Considering the XT5? For ease of mind, get it from the only family-owned Nassau-based Cadillac dealer in business for over 40 years. Curious about the nimble XT4? Well, we know you don't like hidden fees and neither do we, so we never play those games. Need the king-size Escalade? How about being treated like a king, too? We have convenient on-site service, even on Saturdays, and a luxurious and comfortable lounge in which to relax and savor complimentary coffee at Conte and Treats. No time to relax? Then enjoy a free loaner vehicle and so much more. Whatever new Cadillac you're shopping for, you'll want all of the extra value, savings, perks, and first-class treatment that only the Paul Conte Cadillac difference can deliver. And it's only at Paul Conte Cadillac, Sunrise Highway, Freeport. Make sure you download the Radio.com app so you can catch all of your favorite podcasting, including 30 with Murdy, the Evan Roberts podcast, The Bank Shot with John Schmelk, Soccer in the City, Alan Jerry's Morning Show post-game podcast, and many more, including all of the WFAN shows you may have missed the first time around. It's all from your flagship station for New York sports, The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM, and Sports Radio 66, WFAN, and WFAN FM, New York. At Town Fair Tire, you always get the guaranteed lowest price on name brand tires. From Connecticut to Maine, we beat the other stores, the warehouse clubs, and every online site. For the absolute guaranteed lowest price, nobody beats Town Fair Tire. Nobody. Town Fair Tire. WFAN 2020 Sports. Good morning at 240. I'm Marco Belletti. Confrontational, controversial, and also a true legend, Don Imus has died at the age of 79 after being hospitalized on Christmas Eve in College Station, Texas. Imus in the morning, a staple in New York City for decades, helped launch the fan in many careers, including one of the men that replaced him in Boomer Esiason. Don Imus was the foundation of WFAN, and uh, I currently occupy his seat for the last 12 years, and 
Uh, he is a radio legend, as I'm sure many people have called in to speak to you about. That was earlier with Steve Summers here on The Fan. I'm a survived by his wife, Deirdre, of 25 years, along with his six children. Elsewhere, Jets running back Le'Veon Bell voices his pleasure for being randomly selected for a sixth HGH blood test. Stop short when asked if he'll comply. Jets on the road for the Bills Sunday, looking to end the season strong, take six of their last eight. Giants home for the Eagles in what could be the final game for Pat Shermer as head coach. And as rough as his tenure has been, one thing seems certain. Everyone's high on rookie Daniel Jones. He's very smart. He, he's, you know, we drafted him for a reason. We, you know, he's very smart. He's very talented. And uh, he improves every time he's out there. And that's, that's you know, in his situation, I think, why he's had, you know, some really good games. Now it's where the Saints worked out Antonio Brown, but want clarity from the league if he'd actually be eligible for the postseason before possibly signing him as he continues to be under investigation stemming from sexual assault and sexual misconduct allegations. Hockey, the Blackhawks ripped the Islanders 5-2 as the Isles have lost three straight. Rangers too much for the Hurricanes 5-3. Artemi Panarin is 21st. Mika Zibanej had a pair. Henrik Lundqvist stopped 39 shots. Maple Leafs outlast the Devils 5-4 in overtime as Damon Severson actually chipped in the game winner into his own net. Just a bad bounce. I mean, I wasn't trying to shoot it by any means, but it just, I was just, like I said, the guy, their guy cut to net, and then I just tried to protect the puck away from him and ended up going off my stick and right in our net. So, just uh, bad luck, I guess. Just can't do that. It was William Nylander credited with the game winner. In college football, Michigan State top Wake Forest in the Pinstripe Bowl 27-21. North Carolina rolled Temple 55-13 in the Military Bowl. Air Force 31, Washington State 21 in the Cheez-It Bowl. Texas A&M slipped by Oklahoma State in the Texas Bowl 24-21. And Iowa dominated USC 49-24 in the Holiday Bowl. With reports every 20 minutes, Marco Belletti, WFAN 20, 20 Sports. The Nets road trip begins tonight when they stop in Houston to take on James Harden in the Rockets. Our coverage gets underway at 745 with tip-off at 805, exclusively on your flagship station for Brooklyn Nets basketball. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. And we are back here on WFAN with, with uh, McCartan After Midnight. I am Danielle McCartan here with you until 6 a.m. And Richard Neer is going to be heading your way. Actually, at um, Emmanuel's 9.30, they said? Yeah, right around that 9 o'clock hour, I believe. Okay, in the 9 o'clock hour, they're going to do a special um, tribute to Don Imus. Uh, Mike Francesa has recorded uh, a little tribute to him. should be about 20 minutes to a half an hour tribute. So if you guys are going to be up and awake and around and moving around in the 9 o'clock hour, I think I think 9.30-ish, they're going to do a nice little tribute here from WFIN to Don Imus. So you can check that out. Um, and obviously there are a lot of different things on the tables for tonight. We've got Jets and Giants playing their final game of the season on Sunday, tomorrow, technically. Um, and in the open, I was talking a little bit about the Jets, and how Todd Bowles, uh, David, my Twitter follower, brought up the records. In 2018, Todd Bowles was 5-11, and 11, and Adam Gase could be, what, 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 or and nine at the end of the day tomorrow. And are those records really that much better, I asked. And I remember everybody slamming Todd Bowles for being that defensive-minded coach, for not getting much out of Sam Darnold, et cetera, et cetera. And then so the Johnson said, you know what? We're picking an offensive coach. We're going for the guru himself. Peyton Manning says so. Adam Gase, even though he has a losing record, Peyton Manning endorsed him. He's going to get us out of this mess with this same stud quarterback of Sam Darnold. 
And the Jets are, again, going to put in a losing record. They're going to miss the playoffs again. They haven't seen or sniffed the playoffs since 2010. We're going to be entering in 2020 in, what, a couple days? So 10 10 years, okay? And, And all these Adam Gase defenders, they cite progress. I bring the heat every week on Adam Gaze in a different argument because it's that easy. It's just that easy. And I'm just hoping someone with the ability to make a change might be passing by the station on their, their drive or their travels or somewhere. I'm just trying to, 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 to get some change going here because Adam Gaze defenders, they, they cite progress, the word progress. Well, you know, progress is what, one or two more wins? You got to look deeper than the record, guys record that still makes him a losing coach. So I I blew through it, but Todd Bowles in 2018, his offense scored um, just about three more points a game than Adam Gase, ranked higher, yards a game higher than Adam Gase's this year with the, the Jets, pass yards a game higher than Adam Gase, and rushing yards a game at leaps and bounds higher than Adam Gase. So under Todd Bowles, the offense put up better numbers than with the guru himself. I talk about Todd Bowles' record, let's just say, 5-11 and 11 in 2018. Well, his defense was absolutely terrible. They gave up the, among all other things, they gave up the fourth most points in the entire NFL. Adam Gase is working with the defense that gives up the 19th best. They only give up 23.5 points under Adam Gase. Really, under Greg Williams, let's just be honest. And they gave up 28, close to 28 with Todd Bowles. I mean, so Adam Gase is operating with, with a great defense. And his offense is last, ranked last, second to last, third to last, and let me do math, fifth to last in those categories that I just mentioned. I mean, and, and Todd Bowles did that all without one of the top running backs in the league. Unlike Adam Gase. So let's hit the calls, 877-337-6666. I wanted to remind you that Adam uh, Sam Darnold started exactly 13 games for Todd Bowles. He's going to start his 13th game for Adam Gase tomorrow, Sunday. Rockville Center, Brian, you're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. How are you? All right, Brian, how are you? How's everything? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. God bless. You too. Uh, you too. Yeah, oh. I want to make a, uh, a Jets comment, but I just want to say quick, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. You know, you were either, you know, growing up in New York, you were either, or anywhere for that matter, you were either a an IMS guy or a fan of the other guy. And I was a fan of the other guy. I, I mean, I, I can't say that I was an IMS fan. I mean, I just uh, c- uh, couldn't get him. But uh, that being said, um, there's no question how – important he was to new york radio and it's unknown just what how how what how the fan would have done how mm-hmm. it would have survived the first couple of years the fans struggled mightily the first two years mike francesa chris russo Mount Rushmore of WFAN, no question. Mm-hmm. But Imus was basically the first important seed in WFAN success. He did a lot of great charity work. 
God bless him, uh, you know, wherever he is. Um, and uh, as far as the Jets go, you know, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. But the thing, thing with him, I, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about Adam Gase, about Adam Gase coming. Uh, my whole thing is, like you said, he did have a losing record. Okay, he was not. He didn't have a chance to be humbled and think about the mistakes he made. Instead, he's not only getting another head coaching job immediately, but he's getting the keys not only to the car, but to the castle, to the whole mansion. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's getting a lot now. And listen, I'm not crazy about him, and I thought it was absolutely insane that they picked this guy over Mike McCarthy. Now, was Mike McCarthy, Bill Walsh? Absolutely not. But he was the best of what was available. And as usual, the Jets balked on it. Hey, Brian, but it, you just brought up a uh, good yeah. point. Let me just tell you this, too. I just jotted this note sure. down. But since you, you brought up Mike McCarthy, I want to talk about this because you used a great uh, saying, humbled. You know, he wasn't – Adam Gase didn't have time to get humbled. You know what? Mike right. McCarthy did. He had a year off. And you know what he did? A year of unemployment. And what he did was – and I saw reports of this – he went and he started studying using analytics and, and, and everything like that. So, you know, everybody, you know, saying what they could say about Mike McCarthy. But Mike McCarthy, in fact, was humbled by his year off from the NFL. Exactly. And it could do him a lot of good. A lot of people think Ron Rivera, who I think is a very good coach and then deserves to get fired, could use the same thing. But my thing, you know, the thing with Gase is, if the Jets were to fire him, I won't shed a tear. Yep. Okay. However, the excuses that have been made for Gase are fair. And when you look at, when you break it down this way, if you were to bring in another coach, you're going to have this quarterback having three different systems well, in te- the first three years. And, and technically that's four nice. with the USC system. Right. With the good, good, good point. Absolutely. So that's kind of dicey. Okay, but as it's all as has been said many, many, many times, the uh, the heart of a great of a good team is a great defense, and a great defense can hide a lot of weaknesses. Yep. And the Jets aren't like the Mets. The it's a it's amazing how I mean the Jets are compared to the Mets. It's usually a, a giant Yankee fan, Jet Mets fan. Yeah. It's insane how many comparisons the Jets have to the Mets, and one of things they have in common right now is then neither team while they've been disappointing they're not that far away and the jets are not that far away they have a good foundation i'm worried about quinn and williams quinn and williams was a one-year wonder in uh, in alabama he started one year i thought they should have went for for josh allen or uh, traded down for an offensive lineman but that being said you know listen mccagnon's gone everybody's high on joe Douglas. The offense, the, the number one unit is the offensive line. And you know what? I, I'm sure you have other calls, but let me just ask you, get your take on this question. Mm-hmm. Um, your pick for coach of the year. I know a lot of people uh, say Mike Tomlin, if he doesn't make the playoffs, I can't give it to him. Tom Rabel, it's amazing what he did with Tennessee. Uh, but I think uh, Kyle Shanahan, what he did with San Francisco, uh, he has no stars on that team. He, he has a committee on well, the running game. I don't know. You know he, he, I, I, there are three guys just popped into my head. Garoppolo, Kittle, and Bosa. They're not stars, though. Bosa's a star. They're not stars. Bosa so, well, Yeah, yeah, actually, yes, they're correct. Yeah, but Garoppolo, Garoppolo, I think, is a very good quarterback. But, I mean, I think he um, just nobody expected San Francisco to have one of the most solid defenses in the league. And be arguably the team to to beat for the Super Bowl. 
It's really a who, who would be who would be your uh, uh, vote for coach of the year? You know, my vote and someone called about this about two weeks ago. My vote is still going to be John Harbaugh. What he's done with the Ravens and and his rookie That's quarterback. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I I think they'll yeah. take it to to Tom Brady. I really do. I mean, that de- talk about defense. I mean, that defense is ever evolving. The Ravens defense and. I, I, you got to appreciate what he's done there. You really do. So we, we lost him. Sorry about that. I, I don't know what happened there. Um, but yeah, my 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 vote for coach of the year. Although I could see Tomlin because he's dealt with the, the quarterback issues and how many quarterbacks have started for him this year. I mean, in the Jet game, there were there were two quarterbacks in one game. And they went back to the, the original one. It was three switches in one game. I, I get it. I get it with James Conner, the injury with him, Juju Smith-Schuster, and, and look where they are. They're still knocking on, on the door of being in the playoffs. I do get that. However, what the Ravens have done at 13-2, and 4-1 and one in their division, I mean, the Ravens are, are the number one seed if the, if, the, if the season ended right now. I mean, you can't discount that. And they got a rookie quarterback in Lamar Jackson who is absolutely – I'm looking right now. He's throwing with a 66 completion percentage and over 3,000 yards, 36 touchdowns. I mean, my God. I'm sorry. He's not a rookie. It's – what is it? Second year. Lamar Jackson, second year. My bad. 15 games this year, 31 last year. I mean, 31 in total. My bad. I can't do math on the fly here. He played in 15 games this year, Lamar Jackson, career 31 in the NFL. But still, Lamar Jackson, I mean, and, and just the the, def, the the strategy that they have employed on, on the defensive end is, is unbelievable what they've done. Confusing. They're flying around all over the place. I, I don't know if I could name a stud on that defense in Baltimore. And the Jets, the Jet game, I, I I really watched that game. I mean, they took it to them. I mean, I know that's not like a, uh, you know, a, a good comparison here, but if you think about the playoff picture, seeds one and two are the Ravens and the Patriots. Well, Baltimore beat the Patriots on on November third, thirty seven twenty. It wasn't even close. Lamar Jackson had a 107, round up to 108 quarterback rating. I mean, that's intense, intense stuff. So, I don't know if it, this is the year of the Patriots. This might be the year of the Ravens. And how exciting would it be to see, you know, here in the New York market, we watch Tom Brady win all the time, except for when he plays the Giants in the Super Bowl, of course, and Eli Manning. But to have two new teams in the Super Bowl, it's it's always a little bit exciting. The decorations at the party, or I usually throw a party, and it's, I have leftover Patriots plates from from every single year. Uh, but how nice would it be to to pick up I don't know Ravens plates or even Forty ers colors? You know, I have cousins that live near Baltimore, so I'm sure they're happy about about Lamar Jackson. Um, but getting back to the original question, it's it's got to be Harbaugh as coach of the year for me. And and he was right that the Jets did not pick Josh Allen, the outside linebacker, 
Instead, with the third pick in, in the last year's draft, they picked Quinnen Williams, who, to me, still has a lot to prove. He is not the direct impact player that Nick Bosa is on the 49ers, who was picked one pick before him. He's not the impact player that Daniel Jones even is on the Giants. Picked one, two, three after him at number six. And even Ed Oliver's making a name for himself. I liked Ed Oliver as a defensive lineman. He was probably my highest highest ranked defensive lineman. I've I've posted it, so you can read that if you want. But Ed Oliver for the Bills, he's doing a real good job. So, will the Jets get help elsewhere? Or the Giants? Maybe in the form of Antonio Brown? We could see how he fits in. We'll take more Jets-Giants calls. And, of course, your Don Imus calls. I am Danielle McCartan. McCartan after midnight on The Fan. Attention, New York City. Sick of being pressured by entertainers at overpriced so-called gentlemen's clubs? Then you need to be at Show Palace, New York City's exclusive 18 and over premier gentlemen's club. The lowest dance and VIP room prices in the city are at Show Palace. Open seven days a week on 21st Street in Long Island City. See showpalaceny.com for info on free rides, special events, and Thursday amateur night. As cold weather arrives, snow and ice follow, making it extremely difficult for police officers to safely do their jobs. Private and municipal building owners, commercial store owners, residential homeowners, police precincts, and precinct parking lots in the city of New York have legal responsibilities within a certain time frame to make sidewalks, entranceways, and parking lots free of snow and ice. Unfortunately, many of these property owners fail to maintain their premises free from ice and snow, thereby creating dangerous conditions for members of the law enforcement community. Many officers have been seriously injured by these dangerous conditions. Decalator Co and DePrisco has brought numerous successful lawsuits on behalf of police officers injured by the negligence of property owners failing to keep their premises free from snow and ice. Examples of these results are featured on their website, policeofficersrighttosue.com. If a member of the law enforcement community is injured as a result of a property owner's failure to remove snow and ice from their premises, contact DCD at 800-901-THE-NUMBER-ONE-LAW or visit them at policeofficersrighttosue.com. There are 90-day time limitations to file a notice of claim if a municipality is at fault for cause the injury. Joe Beningo here for Smithtown Nissan. Now, how many years have I been saying this? If you're looking for a Nissan, don't buy anywhere but Smithtown Nissan. It's worth the drive from anywhere because nobody, nobody does it better than Craig Fina. And that's why Smithtown Nissan is one of the top auto dealerships in the entire world year after year. There is dependables, the cars they sell. These days, you see the names on the storefronts changing. You need to know that when you choose Smithtown Nissan, you're choosing a family-owned business, a family that has lived on Long Island and has operated Smithtown Nissan for over 50 years. You don't have to just take it from me. Just read the thousands of positive reviews on Smithtown Nissan. So don't think twice. If you're going to buy or lease a new car or truck or if you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle, now's the time to see Fina. He's been getting deals done for fan listeners for over a decade, and he's stellar people. So go to SmithtownNissan.com and better yet, go see Fina first. Get your next car. Daniel Jones and the Giants wrap up their 2019 season tomorrow with a big game against Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles at MetLife Stadium. Kickoff is at 425 with Giants game day underway at 210 as the Giants look to keep the Eagles out of postseason play. Then later on, the regular season Sunday night finale features Seattle and San Francisco as the two teams battle it out for the NFC West title. Make sure you're locked in to hear all the... Radio 
Good morning, everybody. At the top of the hour, the 3 o'clock hour, I am Danielle McCartan. We're in a very detailed New York Jets conversation, soon to talk New York Giants. And, of course, I'll be taking your calls about the legendary passing of Don Imus, who um, really, really has been, in my opinion, or what I've learned from tonight, uh, a savior, really, to this radio station in its inception, because it was not an easy start. I mean, obviously, he comes with controversy as well. Um, but I just hope that everybody learned from that. I know I did, because when that happened, the new, the Rutgers comments, I actually was sitting in a class. Well, not at the second, but that same day. I had a class in college as a freshman, and it was called Social Issues. And my professor made the entire class about that. And um, it was it was enlightening. And I hope uh, everybody did learn from that. But Don Imus... Gone at the age of 79 um, in Texas, I, I believe. Tim in East Haven, you're on the fan. Tim, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, gotcha. Okay, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Um, quick Imus memory. Uh, my first job, driving in to work, 40-minute ride. Imus on the morning, every morning. Yep. And he's what actually started me listening to the fan besides me being a, a, start, a sports junkie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, rest in peace, Don. Um, going forward with my football giants. Giants, okay. Oh, so I want to win so bad because I have six cousins that are big Eagle fans living in Philly, and oh. I, I can't take it. Oh, okay. I feel like we haven't beaten them forever. <laughs> um. I hope we don't lose sight of the fact if we do win this three games in a row, two of the wins are against really bad football teams. I hope this isn't going to change the Pat Shermer. I, I, I promise you I won't, you know, sing again on the radio. <laughs> so, so, so you're in the, <laughs> However, camp, you're in the camp of, of, of clean house? Um, not totally. I, I'll keep Gettleman. Okay. And uh, I want Shermer gone. Let's um, case in point, last Eagle game, we're up 17-3 at the half, throwing the deep ball with Eli, and then he goes away from it. Yeah. And then the Eagles come back and win. You're a coach. You know when you have a weakness, you exploit it. Yep. You exploit it until you beat them. Or until they adjust, and, to, and then you go. Or they adjust, right. exactly. Right. And I feel like we don't adjust. We go... <laughs> We went totally away with what was working. Who does that? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I do. I got to say, though, I am in the camp that, that Shermer should stay. I, I am. Only. Oh, because you listened to Daniel Jones' comments, didn't you? No, he commented. I didn't know that. He, he made a comment. Um, you know, he's supportive of his coach. Ah, uh, see? I'm, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't know. you? I mean, you're having literally a record setting rookie year. I mean, I mean. I, I wouldn't want to disrupt that. I mean, give Shermer a defense, I'd say, through the draft. Let get him and do another draft. Give him a defense and, and then see and then evaluate. I mean, they're right. like, they're like last in all defensive categories or close to last. I know. I know. It's terrible. And I'm sure Betcher's happy Ertz isn't playing because, you know, if it comes <laughs> down to overtime, maybe we don't have to cover him. Yeah, so. I did see that. <laughs> and who was it? They said, oh, we we weren't ready for him. We were, oh, you're three. Not we were ready for him. We were ready not? for him. I'm like, who else is on the field? What do you mean you're not ready for him? What do you mean you're not ready for him? How, how do you how do you say that? Could I make one quick met comment or not it. comment question actually? Yes. Can I put you on the spot? You're the manager of the Mets. Yep. 
Oh, am I? Your closer. Nice. <laughs> your closer. Mm-hmm. Danielle McCartan's closer. Both guys healthy going into the season. Between who? Diaz or Betances? Betances. Uh, I'd go Diaz, and I'll tell you why. Because Betances could theoretically eat more innings than than Diaz could. So I'd use Betances in the setup role, seven eight yep. possibly, and then Diaz in the ninth. That's what I would do. All right. Thank you for taking my call. Have a great evening. Of course, Tim. Thanks. All good stuff from Tim. We got a little bit of everything. A little bit of Imus. A little bit of Giants. A little bit of Jets. I mean, a little bit of Mets. Um. Yes, College Station, Texas. Paul said that on on Twitter. Yes, College Station, Texas is where I miss passed away. Um, but if I am the Mets, that's how my 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 last three innings are going to look. Even with Familia, say you do Familia in the seventh, sixth, maybe you got Patanza seven eight, and then you got the luxury, and then Edwin Diaz ninth. But then you got the luxury of of Seth Lugo, who can go a couple innings himself. I think you keep him in the bullpen. You don't need him in the the starting rotation. You don't. Because right now, you got two projects there already. Your rotation looks like this if you're in the New York Mets. DeGrom, Syndergaard, in this order. DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, Porcella, Waka, Matt, and Lockett. This guy Lockett they're going to give a look at. That's got to make one of the, either one of them d- indispensable or dispensable. I, I always mix that up. One dispensable or one of them's going to the bullpen. And they've already said that Porcello and Waco are not going to the bullpen. So we'll see what Brody Van Wagenen does. But given the situation, if all three of the of the, the pitchers in relief are healthy, that's what I'm doing. I'm going Familia first because if he screws up, you know, Patances could clean it up with more than one innings worth of work. And then Diaz, hopefully he straightens it out. I think he will under Beltran. I think he will. Um, and that's just a hunch that I have. Um, and based on what he, what I've read and what I've seen, I think Beltran could really help him out. Matt, in Oceanside, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you doing? All right. How are you? I'm good. I, I'm calling for Adam Gase. Oh. I have a couple of points. Okay. And then I'll, I'll hang up. I'll listen to you. Sure. One. McCagnan and Todd Bowles were dumpster fire. There's only 17 draftees from five years. I know that. Okay. Yep. 12 different offensive lines. Yep. Okay. And when you have mono, you're out for six months. So the fact that Donald's back and playing is pretty impressive. And I think the type of temperament that Gase has is exactly what this team needs. No nonsense on the offensive side. No nonsense on the defensive side. And they're playing hard. The guy, and the the guy doesn't even watch his defense practice. You and every every uh, pundit out there is throwing this guy under the bus. Uh, no. me to believe he's exactly the right guy. I'm not throwing him under and the bus. That, I've been against him since day one. Let's let's put uh, that out there. I didn't want him hired uh, to begin with. I think I think he's perfect, and I'll tell you why. Because he was uh, very successful against Belichick in Miami. He brought him to the playoffs. He was only one game under 500. Who cares what he did when in Miami? Tannehill was healthy. Tannehill's, Tannehill Tannehill's was having healthy. a comeback player of the year season right now. And, and, and yeah, the Titans Tannehill, are in, this, yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah, but when Tannehill was healthy, Danielle, the season he played very well on the gates. Really? He wasn't healthy. He was hurt all the time. He's putting career numbers up with the Titans. And what about... Because he's healthy. All right, how do you explain Kenyon... Okay, even if, even if that is true, how do you explain Kenyon Drake having a career year? How, how do you explain... Uh, um, 
the the wide receiver, what's his name? Devontae Parker have, having a he career. Wasn't, he wasn't healthy on the Gase. Oh, no, nobody was healthy on their Gase, I guess. I guess that's yeah, the listen, excuse. I understand you don't like Gase. No, every week yeah. I have a reason why he's he's terrible. I mean, yeah. Todd Bowles had a better offense. You Didn't you hear me? Todd Bowles had a better yeah. performing you offense than Adam Gase. You take those three games out. Okay. Yeah, but and, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but Sam Darnold started 13 games for Bowles as well. Yeah, I mean, it's but, even. But it's 13, 13. How many times did we watch Todd Bowles throw the game away at the end of the game? No in-game adjustments. No game plan. Uh, sounds like it's wait, Adam Gase. Wait, Adam Gase or Todd Bowles? Are you talking about? I, uh, <laughs> Todd, Todd Bowles. Oh no, I think. Oh, sorry. I, I thought I misunderstood. I thought you meant Adam Gase because he's the listen, worst third quarter. We, he's we, the worst Danielle, third quarter. <laughs> listen, Danielle, we could agree to disagree. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just, just telling you the fact that you guys don't like him. Who's you, you guys? Under the bus who's you guys? You think he sucks. I think he's going to be the. Who, wait, first of all, wait a second. Wait a second, surprised. Matt. Who is you guys? By the way, the reporters, reporters, the, reporters. The, the, I am my individual. I have my own opinion. I disliked him from day one. I don't know how the the Jets passed up Mike McCarthy to pick this moron. Honestly. Uh, well, I disagree. I think he's perfect. And, and, fact, I, I, I think he's absolutely the right guy at the right time for the right job. Really? And, and, and the fact that Jamal Adams was, was an absolute dumpster fire and they calmed the waters within a couple of days. And Joe Douglas. You think Adam Gase was the one who calmed the waters in a few days? He didn't even need, He said, oh, I haven't seen him. I have king come to my office. Really? You don't think? Come on, Daniel. You come don't think on. they talk? No, Stop. I don't. Honestly, I don't. All right. I don't. We'll see. I'll call you. I'll call you next year, and we'll see what happens. You might be right. You might be saying, "I told you, Matt." Yeah. You're living in. You're living in a pipe dream. This guy was an idiot, and he should be fired. Or I could be calling you back up next year and say, "Hey, you know, he's doing pretty good." Matt, let I'm me ask. I'm sure when he does. I'm sure when he does pretty good, you guys will still throw him under the bus. Matt, let and me that ask you something. On Christmas Eve was disgusting by Matt and Manish. You don't do that to anyone. Let me ask you something, Matt. How, how did you feel when the Jets did not even get into the end zone versus the 0-11 Bengals? Uh, what? I'm a Jet fan. I've been a Jet fan since uh, no. 81. Okay. So it was, it was tough to watch. And you know what? I don't think the Bengals are as bad as they are, and they just outplayed the Jets. <laughs> and, that, and, that was, and your coach, Adam Gase, he didn't even go home for Thanksgiving dinner because he was coming up with that game plan for that game. Either he's not too well, smart or he's not doing it the right way. You know, okay, but you know what? You're not going to go 16-0. and 0. You're going to lose games. Everyone loses games. Oh, my God. And it happens. Oh, my and, God. And, and this is his first year. He's not even through his first year, and you guys are ready to hang him. And he's lost to two, undef- uh, two teams that have been winless. And, and have the Bengals won since they beat the Jets? Come no, on, but come they on, were competitive. Matt. They, they've been competitive. competitive. They haven't been a dumpster fire. Oh, they were competitive my against New England. Oh, okay. They were competitive in a lot of games. Okay, Matt. Thanks for thank, thanks for that, Matt. Uh, totally disagree on every single thing you just said there, Matt. And 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 by the way, I'm done hearing about the mono, everybody, because I, if the medical staff and and I know one of the head dudes over there, if they didn't think that Sam Darnold was healthy enough to play that game or any game after that, they wouldn't put him out there. That's the medical standpoint. And and also too, when you look at the Darnold Bulls numbers and the Darnold Gase numbers, they're almost identical. Everybody, I mean, completion percentage, attempts, uh, completions themselves. I'm looking at it right now. Yards are almost to the number, e- exactly even. Touchdowns are almost even. Interse- I mean, it, it's 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 uncanny. Sacks even, it is uncanny. 
the numbers that Darnold put up under Bulls and Darnold put up under Gase. It's it's just I, I don't understand how you could defend it. I, I it's it's flatlining. He, he's Sam Darnold is flatlining. He's not regressing. He's not progressing. He's just flatlining. His talent is being wasted with this fake news offensive guru coach and his play calling shortfalls. He is the worst coach in the third quarter in the NFL. Look it up in terms of points scored. Now you guys got me all worked up. <laughs> More of your calls after the break, 877-337-6666. We could do this all night. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan. Tomorrow, the Giants wrap up their 2019 season with a big game against the Eagles, and we'll bring you all the action, beginning with Giants game day at 210, followed by kickoff at 425. Then later on, we'll head out to Seattle for the Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers as they vie for first place in the NFC West. So make sure you're locked in for all the action here on your flagship station for Giants and NFL football. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Sports Radio 66, WFAN, and WFAN-FM, New York. Just kind of stand here and watch me burn. Oh, my God. What a song for the New York football teams here, the New York Jets and the New York Giants. Obviously, it's Rihanna and Eminem. Love the way you lie. I, I play that like a little trivia. Like every time the, the producer puts the song on, I'm like, I, I know the song. I know the song. Um, but, yeah, so the Jets and Giants are, are finishing up their season, and um, – you know, neither of them are making the playoffs, and neither of them are were or are close to making the playoffs. So, um, before I forget, I just wanted to, to state in the three o'clock hour that uh, Richard Near, the show that's coming on uh, later on after mine, is going to be doing a, a little, taking about half an hour out or so. They're doing a little tribute to Don Imus, and it was it's narrated by Mike Francesa. Um, so if you're up and around. Uh, check that out with in in the nine o'clock hour, um, for the the tribute to to Don Imus, and and it's only fitting. Let me just take this Imus call really quickly. Dave in Queens, you're on the fan. How you doing, Danielle? Okay, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, doing pretty good. I just want to send my condolences to Don Don Imus family. I never I never listened to him, to be honest with you. But you know what? It's it's a sad day to hear that. In any event, I want to call you on your last show. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk to you about women in sports. Okay. Nobody, nobody really mentions women in the women's sports on the fan. Uh, Mike does it sometimes. Princess does it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, they play hard. But anyway, when I, when I get home in the morning, I put on CNN. And I put CNN on. And after your show, I got home. I put CNN on. Mm-hmm. And, and, they're, and they're, telling, they're saying that... Um, a lot of these big corporations are uh, the CEOs are run by women, and they're donating a lot of money into the women's sports. Hmm. To uh, you know, to, because like I said, I, I watched the the, the Bella game on the uh, uh, the college um, championship last year. Yeah, these women play really hard. I know they do, but but yet nobody respects them. So the, the, you know, the, the in tennis, you got the the. Uh, Serena Williams and her sister. Mm-hmm. Nobody respects them. Nobody gives them credit. But yet they dominate tennis for twenty years. Yeah, yeah. What about Elena Deladon playing with three slipped discs in her back and becoming a world champion this year on the WNBA championship? I didn't hear about that one. But, but, but like I said, no, 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 nobody mentions the, the, the women in sports. 
And, and but these women go out there and, and they work real hard and they play harder than the men. And but yes, they get no respect. Yeah. I, but Danielle, I, I just Dave, wanted I, to vent that out. Yeah, to you. of course. And th- thank I feel you the same way. Time. Yeah, Dave, I, I feel the same way. I've gone to Liberty Games. I've interviewed all those players. Las Vegas Aces games. I've been there, done that. Liberty, Washington Mystics, L.A. Sparks. I mean, I, I'm I'm entrenched in it. Unfortunately, not everybody wants to hear about it. That's the thing. I would love to do a women in sports segment here, one night. You know, you know, fifteen minutes a night. Do it. See what happens. I would love to do that. I'm just not sure that's what everybody wants to hear. Joe D. In Staten Island. You're on the fan. Hello, my friend. How are you? Good. How are you, Joe? Uh, did Santa Claus bring you a, a good gift this year? Oh, yeah. Santa Claus is very good to me this year. What about you? Always there. Always. <laughs> I, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. What do you think of the Yankee team this year? The Yankee team is the team to beat this year, for sure. I, will call, I, I hope the big city doesn't scare Cole. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I think he, he's been embracing the paparazzi. It's been following him around. He, he endeared himself to the media. That that was the first thing. He endeared himself to the media by bringing that poster. Now, another thing, what you, what's that there? I said whether that poster was real or not. He, he definitely uh, endeared himself here. You know what this deal reminds me of? And I'm going to tell you what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the year that they signed Catfish Hunter. I think that was before my time. Go ahead. Explain. Well, the year they signed Hunter, he won 20, 23 games. And they wound up winning two World Series with the Catfish Hunter in 1977 and 1978. Okay. I mean, you weren't following baseball then, right? I wasn't alive then. I'm sorry. I don't mean to make you feel old. I'm done. I, I am old, dear. I'm 74 years old. Yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't alive then. But All I, right. Now, now, what do you think of the Mets team? The Met team this year, um, it's a big gamble with the Mets. I mean, if the bullpen works out the way it's going to work out, this is going to be a talented team. And if Cess- if there's a lot of ifs, if Cespedes is the guy he was before he went out with all these ghost injuries, then then the Mets are going to be really good as well. It's a- well, the team that I picked to, to win it this year is the same team that won it last year. I, I, I picked the Nationals to win this year. Um, I'd have to see what they're going to do with Rendon first. I mean, they brought Strasburg back. Uh, what they do with Rendon is going to be a big factor for me. Okay, well, that, 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 that's a good, uh, good, good uh, uh, analogy and everything. Yeah, Joe. The only thing I, I say, the only reason why I say that is because I saw an interview with the, I don't know the owner or the CEO or, or, or the GM. I don't know who it was of the Nationals early on that they they said that they they can't afford to bring back both Rendon and Strasburg. And we see that Strasburg signed, so I'm wondering what they're going to do with Rendon. That, that's the only thing for me. Well, we're going to find out. And, and one, one other thing about Don Imus, okay? I always listen to the Don Imus show when he, when he did the show, and I, and I enjoyed his show through the years, and I was sorry to hear when he passed on, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to listen to that thing you were just talking about, 9 o'clock in the morning. Yes, it's, it's the, tr- the WFAN tribute, sure. Yes. Well, that, that, that's very nice of uh, Big uh, Mike to do that, okay? Of course. Th- uh, 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 let me just say one, one yeah. other thing. Mm-hmm. You have a very nice night, and, you, and, and, and I'm glad to see you, you got, got the gig there on WFAN, okay? <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it, Joe. I hope to talk to you uh, the next time I'm on. Okay, thank you, dear. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Um, 
So um, Emmanuel just came in my ear. I don't know how I missed this. How did I miss this? Rendon is with the Angels. How did I miss that? That's a, that's a huge story. So um, in that sense, the Rendon is now not in the NL East. I, I'm not so sure about the Nationals uh, now. I don't know how I missed that. I'm very sorry, guys. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how I missed that. Um, but I think the team to beat in the NL East is going to be the Braves. I mean, they shored up their bullpen with Will Smith, who was the best available relief pitcher on the market, definitely. And they shored themselves up that way. Um, and most of their team is still intact. So I think it, the, the, the finish is going to be, I think, in the NLEs, Braves, Nationals, Mets, and, well, whatever the Marlins end up doing. <laughs> the irrelevant Marlins. Joe and Harrison, you're on the fan. How are you? I should say this morning, I was going to say this evening. Ah, everything? Merry Christmas. It's all the same. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. What's up, Joe? I, I just I was shaking my head the whole time driving home when Matt was talking about the Jets and yeah, Gays. Well. Yeah, well. I'm like, I'm a 60-year-old Jeff fan, so I'm Joe Namath and all that. And yeah. uh, listen, I'm glad they have a more disciplined coach, and I love Williams. But Gase just alienates everybody. And I don't see where, where like you said, it, it's flatlined. It's the same thing Darnold made great throws last year, made not so great throws. Now, I think the, the mono, I know you said the doctor said he's fine. I'm sure he was fine. But mono takes X amount of weeks for a normal human being to function. Mm-hmm. I think it had residual, but that, that one that one interception he threw a couple of weeks ago when there was nobody there, that has nothing to do with mono. He still has <laughs> yeah. to get better making decisions, you yeah. know, so I'm agreeing with you there 100%. Mm-hmm. And, like, and like you said, Drake's gone. He wants to get rid of Bell. He doesn't – Gase doesn't like running backs. I don't think – I think it's just a – uh, a small, small cog in his uh, machine. He, I think he's all about the quarterback play completely, and he alienates which, way too many people. Which it does a disservice to the quarterback if he could just realize that. Yeah, that, it does. That, that 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 if he, not you, if he could just realize that, because then the defense. He, I mean, he throws the he throws the ball like seventy five percent of the time in his in his offense. So the defense can just mm-hmm. sit back in coverage and then react to the run. Which they do, and again, back to the whole thing with I knew I knew in my heart just from being a Jets fan so long that once Dalton was playing, the Jets were losing because he goes vertical on the Jets. Yeah, well, you know, like he's seven on seven, and he so does. I knew we were done for, and you, you can't lose those games. And and not even just lose, Joe. Not even just lose. They got absolutely obliterated. They, the Jets didn't see the red zone. I mean, this is a guy. Never that, in a game. Yeah, this is yep. a guy that worked. Adam Gase worked through Thanksgiving. Right to come yep. up with this game right. plan, and he never even saw the red zone. Either he's doing something wrong, or he's just not smart enough to figure it out. It's one of the two. I just, I'm glad they switched. And I, I was not a Bulls fan at all, but I didn't want this guy. I wanted McCarthy. Me too. And now we're not probably not going to get McCarthy, right. and we're not going to get Rivera. And right. they're gonna, it's going to be two more years of me getting older. I'm going to be collecting Social Security before <laughs> the Jets are in the Super Bowl. At least I hope. Yeah. And maybe me too. I hope not, but but maybe me too, Joe. <laughs> maybe you too. But listen, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you. Okay? You too. Thanks, thanks, Joe, for the call. Uh, I mean, I mean, yes, yes, and yes, and yes again. Jets fans are very split on this. I, I, there are still some that that are ride or die with Adam Gase, and, and some that are not. Max in Regal Park, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good, good. So I wanted to sort of disagree with your take on Gase and agree with sort of, you know, your other callers. Um, I do think that, you know, he's the right man for the job and has been doing a good job. Um, All right. You now, know, and wait, I know that might be a little bit controversial. Next, but sure. You're allowed to disagree. Give me like the top reason why you think he's, or top two reasons why he's doing a good job in your opinion. Uh, 
Well, a couple of things. So first of all, it's a first-year coach, right? Uh, obviously, we want to give people an opportunity to prove themselves in the job, and usually that's in excess of a year of okay, employment. time out. Um, He's been a head coach before, though. Are you talking head, first year in New York or head, first year first as a First year in New York. Okay. First year in New York, right, okay. at the his current place of employment. Okay. Um, but, you know, he, he's been – He's been coaching the Jets to you know more successively, right? There, I think five and two over the last seven. With the soft schedule, him to, think of the you schedule. You compare him, I think, over the same stretch. For example, you know Brady and the Patriots, and you know Belichick are five and two. Um, <clears throat> you know it, it, it's ups and downs. Sam Darnold had mono uh, for the first portion of the season, I'm and then lingering the effects. I'm tired of the mono. <clears throat> you know it's and. He's you. You have a young quarterback um, with a coach who's you know known throughout the league to be the quarterback whisperer, and you know he's been he's been more successful of late with Darno, and Darno's been you know throwing thirty four points up Darnold. in a lot of the games recently. Darno. Darno. Yeah, but when you look at this, the year statistics, they are almost identical to those he put up with Todd Bowles. Almost identical. And Todd Bowles was not no offensive guru. And yeah, then, I mean, look. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say when you look at the team, I'm looking at. I put just pull out the Patriots schedule. You cited their five and two record. I mean, they lost to the, the the Houston Texans, who are our playoff team. The Kansas City Chiefs, who are a playoff team. I mean, the, the, and the Buffalo Bills, they beat, and you know, they they beat Cincinnati thirty four thirteen. And Jets didn't find the red zone versus those teams. So, I, there's no comparison there. It's not the same record. I, I just wouldn't want Darnold to regress if you make a, co- a coaching switch, you know, again, if Gase has his ear and he's putting up points and he's doing well and they're on a trajectory of, you know, winning and, you know, they finish the year strong, why not give him an opportunity to continue to develop the, you know, the quarterback and maybe he'll put up more than 34 points, you know, starting next year. Well, and it'll be better than both numbers. Max, I appreciate the call. I am up against the break in 20 seconds, but I appreciate it. And thank you for, for bringing, for bringing the points. But, I have to disagree with you. I mean, we're going to agree to disagree, I think, because you cited um, improvement in Sam Darnold. There is none. The numbers are the same, almost identically. You're you're afraid of a regression from Sam Darnold, but isn't flatlining worse? What if the new coach comes in and he he improves? For me, that's that's a uh, a gamble I'm willing to take. And the, and the last couple games the Jets have played, I mean, they, they put up a stinker to the Bengals. Barely beat the Steelers. I mean, it's just, it's not the same. Those records are not the same. You cannot compare the Patriots and Jets 5-2 and two over the same stretch. You, you just can't do it. More of your calls after the break. We'll talk some Yankees, some Mets possibly after the break. Uh, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. The Nets road trip begins tonight when they stop in Houston to take on James Harden and the Rockets. Our coverage gets underway at 745 with tip-off at 805. Exclusively on your flagship station for Brooklyn Nets basketball. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM. FM, New York. This is Drake. I just want to be successful. And the Yankees, ladies and gentlemen, not only are the Yankees going to be successful, the Yankees are expected to win. Not only get to win the World Series this year. Behind the signing of Garrett Cole. And here's another thing. Jay Happ. I mean, what are they going to do with him? I think it's less about dealing Hap than it is about 
the money because, first of all, he's he's 37 year old, years old. He, he's slated to make $17 million next season. And the Yankees, with that Cole contract, you saw with the with the Sayonara to Didi Gregorius, they are trying to avoid the harshest penalties of the highest level of the luxury tax. Yeah, those Yankees. So, Jay Happ last year, he was great. He used to be great for the Yankees, and then just wasn't. Last year, he finished with a basically a five ERA in thirty-one games, thirty starts. Blue Jays and Brewers have been linked to him in in the starting pitching department. So, Yankees get Cole. Is Jay Happ on the way out? Add a lefty bat, possibly. Trades with prospects. Josh Hader's linked to them. We'll see what they do. I, I'm I'm pumping the brakes on Hader for right now, and I can explain that. Uh, in, in a second. Jim, in Lindbrook, you're on the fan. Hey, what's going on, Coach? How you doing? Good, how are you? I mean, should we just, uh, like, not even play the season and just uh, give the World Series to the Yankees? Oh, do you want to start the parade now? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> what's going on? I'm, I'm, well, I mean, you, you, you're still strong with, uh, when's the last time uh, Stanton was healthy? Uh, How many years ago? I don't know. Yeah. Marlins years, probably. Right. What is that, like $32 million? Okay. Yeah. And great. You paid $324 million for a starting pitcher. He should be a moose. He should be as good as Jacob deGrom. That's what he's getting paid to be. Mm-hmm. Still, still hasn't done it on the big stage, New York, but we'll see. And then who's, who's the number two starter in that Yankees rotation? Number a guy that came back last year who hasn't pitched in a year and a half. Yeah, he looked good at the Arena. end of the season, though. Right, right, no, no, no. That that's the Yankees' number two starter, right? Well, it could be him. It could be Tanaka. It could be Paxton. We don't know. Right now, right now, I'll tell you. Right now, listed, I, I, it's, it was on like the last year. Right now, listed on the Yankees' website, it's Cole Tanaka, Paxton, Severino. Actually, that that's the order the Yankees put them in the depth chart. And actually. Um, the kid from uh, Seattle was fantastic. I think he won his last 11 starts last year. Paxton, yeah. Yeah, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I think you would make him the number two starter. Severino, I mean, as much as J.J. loves to come on and like tell you how great Severino was, it's been years since that guy, what was that, like a year and a half ago where he was like 19-0 and at the All-Star break and lost every start the rest of the year? And he has never come back and been anything. All right. So the question I'm trying to figure out what the, what the point is is you're asking so my me, point is, is, is like why why is everybody handing the Yankees the World Series this year because they spent another quarter billion dollars they spent a quarter billion dollars a year for the last ten years that's a two point five billion dollar spend and they have nothing to show for it. So what is Brian Cashman going to bring New York this year? More spend. And let's see what he brings to the table. I, I think I, I think that that the Yankees were missing this year was, was that number one starter. I mean, you didn't know who the number one starter was going to be and from so series to series. Oh, okay, so he, right. You, so he you, brings one in. You're spending thirty-seven million dollars a year so for what? number one starter. So what? And that, who's your number two starter? Who's your number three starter? Who's your number four starter? As of right now, it's Tanaka at two, Paxton at three, Severino four. And and that's the best pitching in baseball. That's a half your payroll, more than half your payroll. Now with him, is being spent on your front line starters. 
I don't think that that's the best pitching in baseball. Well, look at yep. the Met, look at the Mets payroll. Their most of their money is going to their the, front the line Mets starters too. One hundred and fifty million dollars. The right. Yankees payroll is uh, two thirty seven. But co- but comparatively, what percentage is? Oh, is oh, hold on, hold on. So if I had if I were the Mets and I had an extra one hundred and twenty million dollars to spend. What kind of baseball team could I put on the field in Queens? Well, they wouldn't be uh, first. Oh, no, one, no. they're not spending the oh, money, oh, oh, oh. and two, they're it, not putting it, it on it, starting it would, pitching. It would be Arenado or the guy sure. that went to or the guy that went to um, the Angels that played Rendona. First. And you don't think any one of those two no, two no, no, players could immediately turn? All right, see, Jim, you got you, you got to let me talk here. You can't do that. You're asking me a question. I'm going to answer you the question. Rendon and Arenado on the Mets spending that money, you don't think would turn the Mets into an immediate contender? I was trying to let you to get to the point. You're talking, you're asking me who the number two starter is on the Yankees. Right now, it's Tanaka. According to the Yankees website, it's Tanaka. Okay? You go in, now you, now you start veering into the direction of what the Mets are going to spend. The Mets are not in a position to, to, to spend anything right now. And, and I, I don't know what the point is. The Yankees needed the number one starter. They needed that. That's what they needed. They went out and got it. The Mets needed a center fielder. Unfortunately, they can't buy a center fielder. They had to get Jake Marisnik. They can't go out and just buy anybody, the Mets, unfortunately, at this juncture. And if they could, would it be Arenado? Would it be even Mike Boustakis? <laughs> would it be Rendon? And, and, and then let me ask you this. By spending the money on those particular players... Wouldn't it put the Mets into direct contention for the World Series? Because their starting pitching rotation is there. They've got guys that can score runs. And let's say Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo, Conforto. You got this, the reigning Cy Young Award winner in, in DeGrom on your team. And you got the batting champion, the home run champion in the entire league in Pete Alonso anchoring your first base. So if you find a surefire third baseman, let's say Arenado, I think the Mets would be an absolute contender. I guess the problem is that the Mets just don't have the money. I guess that's what his problem was. The Mets just don't have the money right now. So you wait for Steve Cohen, and then you see what happens. I tried to let him get to the point. There was no point. There was no point coming. Mark in Newark, you're on the fan. Happy holidays, Danielle. You too, Mark. Okey-dokey. Uh, one point on the Jets and one point on the Mets. Sure. Um, on on the Jets, uh, good air first. You know, um, I don't care who agrees with me or not because I just don't. So I'm just going to say how I feel about it. Got it. Go you know, ahead. You first guy, Sam Donald. You mentioned something about flatlining, and and it's funny that you said that because that just rang a bell with me. Okay. Um, I'm I'm not a hater. Uh, I'm too old for that. I'm not a hater. <laughs> if you're good, you're good. But if you're not, you're not. And and for me, when we had when we had Sam and then we had Teddy Bridgewater, we gave Teddy Bridgewater away, not even for a bag of footballs, not even. And I know. I, I know that was a shame. That was a shame. I remember that. All I kept hearing over and over, Danielle, was, "Oh well, you know, the kids got to learn. The kids got to learn." And I came on the station, and I was speaking with uh, other hosts mm-hmm. up and down the dial, and on the other station as well. Um, that. Uh, Teddy Ritter was 25 last year, if I'm not mistaken. 25? Um, yeah, go ahead. 
and 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 his the success that he had before that horrific injury yeah. was the only problem that I had was like okay he looked pretty good you know but you know football he had to be in football shape and get tested a few times right. or whatever you know he, you know how that goes so mm-hmm. I was like I was like I think that we should have kept him for the competition's sake. And I kept saying, and I got blown away. No, no, no. This guy's the great for the franchise. What I'm saying is, uh, basically along the lines of what you said now, I'm not a hater and I'm not, I'm not going to give him, not give him a chance because I love the Jets. That's as much as I love the Mets. Mm-hmm. But, but he is flatlining now. Now, the argument being back and forth uh, told is how terrible or how good some people are back and gays, and some people think he's crap. Uh, I'm not even going to disclose where I fall in that because I just want to. Okay, so he, the, the owner said he's going to give him this year, right? Okay, so fine. I want to see this year, but but I don't. I want. I don't want to hear mono and, and any other kind of mm-hmm. excuse because I, I I wanted Bridgewater. I thought he outplayed him. I thought that. He's a kid, too, and we could have grown just as well with him, and he had experience of taking the team to the playoffs and, and, and almost to the Super Bowl if it wasn't for their kicker. Yep. So 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 I don't want to hear this how face of the franchise, how great this guy is. He, he's in a prove-it mode to me because I see a lot of stuff that's the same as a rookie. Now on to your I Mets point. I see Daniel Jones over there playing much better than him. Sorry, uh, 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 you know. Donald Lovers to no end, but but Jones, I'd rather have him to be honest with you. He looks more polished than him. Sorry, it is what it is. Um, on the Mets, real quick. Yeah. The only thing that I could do, Danielle, is just cross my fingers. Can't wait to see the blue and orange, and and uh, and if we don't get this guy or that guy or whatever, we got a new coach. I love uh, um, Beltran. Oh boy, he was one of my favorite Mets for a long time. <laughs> um. And and I can't wait to watch the Mets play this year. That's that's what I got. Mark, thanks for the call. And the, and the one thing I will say about Darnold and and Daniel Jones looking more polished, I, I see that this is the problem that I have. The problem that I have is how does Sam Darnold look in the offense that he's in? You know what I'm saying? Like, is is his unpolished look? Is his flatlining numbers? You can look yourself, everybody. I can even tweet that out for you if you want me to. I could screenshot that and tweet that out for you, but the the little chart that I made, are his flatlining numbers a product of the system that he's in? You know, when when it concerns me, when a 22-year-old quarterback, 22-year-old, period, has to to knock on his coach's door and say, listen, uh, this is what I like. Everybody's heralding that as like some wonderful thing. That concerns me. As a coach myself, if one of my players walked in and said, listen, um, I think you can use me better in this way, you know, uh, I would be like, oh, my God. One, first I'd say, I probably thank you. But you know what? I probably would have never put myself in that position to begin with because I know that I'm putting my players in the best position to begin with. You know what I'm saying? So if if Sam Darnold has to go knock on his, his coach's door and say, hey, coach, uh, I'd like you to use me this way. Well, shame on the coach for not being able to recognize that. And did you see Sam, uh, Adam Gase when he said uh, in that post-game presser, he's like, oh, yeah, I just got a little uh, too, too excited uh, when I was making the play calls. Blah, blah. Whoa, bro, you, you can't be doing that. You have to be even killed in, 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 in 
making the play calls. You're not an offensive coordinator. You are the head coach. That's another thing. I just don't like when when coaches, head coaches, are, are offensive or even defensive play callers. You are a game manager. You're supposed to be a game manager for both sides of the ball. I don't like how you're getting so wrapped up in the offensive side that you are absolutely neglecting the defensive side. And don't tell me it doesn't happen. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. Greg Williams, it, it, I think, I've never been in the Jets locker room, but I think Greg Williams, out of the two player, it's coaches, is the more respected one. And getting back to, to, to Darnold, I mean, when you look at the numbers, and I'll tweet them out on the commercial, you can look yourself. When you look at the numbers, everybody hated, everybody ran Todd Bowles out of here. And I'm not sticking up for Todd Bowles, but everybody ran him out of here in, in his 5-11 and record in his final season with the Jets. His offensive rankings, I'll tweet this out for you too. I made it myself, this little chart, right on Google Docs. Screenshot and as we talk. Um, but Todd Bowles, his offense was ranked higher than this offensive guru, Adam Gase's offense. I mean, it's not even like close. So I'm just, I'm just, the, the question for me is, who is Sam Darnold? And, and like Tannehill, I'm not sure we're going to see who Sam Darnold is until he's rid himself of Adam Gase. I mean, look at Ryan Tannehill. He's taking, right now, if the season ended today, his Titans would be in the playoffs. That's it. Season ended today, his eight and seven Titans would be in the playoffs. More of your calls after the break, 877-337-6666. If you're on hold, hang there. I'll get back to you right after the break. Daniel McCartan on the fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 Good morning, everybody. Back at 4.05. I am Daniel McCartan. We are at the top of the hour. We are two hours removed from the end of the shift, so we have plenty of time, and we have also a full call bank, um, which is great. Um, I will get to you guys. Definitely, if you wanted to join the call bank, it's 877-337-6666. You guys obviously are the best part about this. You drive the conversation. We've got some IMAS calls, Jets, Giants, and a women in sports call as well. Um, If you guys wanted to look at the charts, I I am a teacher by day, so when I show you, when I talk about things, I like to give visuals. And, And the two visuals that I just tweeted are the two visuals I've been I've been working off of tonight. So if you wanted to take a look at them, I could put them on Facebook too at the next commercial. I forgot this time, but facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. They'll go up after last, the next commercial. And on Twitter, if you wanted to take a look at them, it's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. What I put up, one was the Bulls, Bulls and Gase comparisons in terms of the team uh, rankings and the team statistics. Um, and the other thing I put up was the, I, I, what I and I should I, I typed this too. I should have made this a guess the head coach by the numbers post. The 2018 representative of Darnold and Bowles and 2019 Darnold Gase. The numbers are pretty much identical. You can go and look for yourself. And let's head out to Kings Park, Carlo. Thanks for calling in again. Good morning, Daniel. How are you? I'm Happy good. Holidays to you. You too. Um, definitely talk about some Jets and some Yanks. Okay. I'm still trying to figure out that call from Jim. <laughs> <laughs> while, I, while I was yeah. on home, I'm still trying to figure that one out, but uh, that's, well. that's neither here nor there. But that's <laughs> funny. Um, it's really funny. Uh, the uh, the Jets they say that they're progressing. I'm still trying to figure that one out too. Because, yeah, where uh, exactly? Exactly. I mean, they said you know we, we could do the what if game with they should have beaten Cleveland, mm-hmm. they should have beaten this, they should have beaten that. They didn't, unfortunately. Now they have to worry about 
winning on Sunday to try and get to trying to salvage a seven and nine season. But what will seven and nine do for us Jet fans? I'd like to know. I really would like to know. You get a worse draft pick. That's what happens. Exactly. And and the thing right now is you have to give Joe Douglas the benefit of the doubt because if he has a, if he has a full draft, he has a lot of needs that he that the Jets definitely need. There's no question about that. Yeah. We need we need offensive linemen and cornerbacks. The list goes on and on, Daniel. Yep. Wide think, receivers. Oh God. <laughs> they are they I don't know whether it's me, but they are so vanilla. It is pathetic. Yeah, well that's the head co- that's the head coach for you and his play calling abilities. Well he's a guru supposedly. Yeah. Well I had yet to see it. Exactly. Exactly. And they would somebody was talking before about Sam about not being not being uh Daniel Jones. The reason why Sam is not Daniel uh, Daniel Jones is because Sam is on his backside because he has no offensive protection. And if he, and if a quarterback can't throw the ball, he's not worth anything. Well, here's the other thing too. At, at least the Giants have a threat of a running game with Saquon Barkley. I mean, with the Gase doesn't know how to use Le'Veon Bell or any back for that matter. So the defenses can just sit back in coverage. It makes him look a lot worse than what he is. Let me tell you right now, Daniel. The Jet offense leaves a lot to be desired. And that better be worked on in the offseason because they are so predictable. Yep. I mean, it is ridiculous. I mean, they have to show some kind of a threat. I mean, they, they will waste Sam. That is the problem. They yep. will waste Sam. And and going on the Yankees, um, I can't wait for the season to start, Danielle. You have no idea. <laughs> I mean, me being a longtime Yankee fan, I mean, I'm, I'm giddy like you wouldn't believe over this season. It was like, oh, you buy everything. No, I don't. Because it doesn't, it doesn't, it does not promise you anything. Yeah. But it does help. Don't get me wrong; it does help. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't guarantee anything. I mean, look, they needed, they needed an ace. They have arguably the best, the best pitcher in the game. But we'll see. We're going to see. But the thing is, right now, the thing is health. The Yankees. That is the big deal. And they were talking before about Hater. They don't need Hater right now. No, they don't. They could wait. They could wait till the trade deadline. Yep, that's my plan. Yep. And um, you know, now, Freddie, I don't want to get I don't want to get too sappy about Don here, but um, yeah. um, to say to say that that man was an icon would be an understatement. Um, if it, if it wasn't for him, there wouldn't be any fan. Bottom line, the yeah. bottom line, he is. I mean that 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 man that man launched that station like you wouldn't believe, and there wouldn't be no there wouldn't be there wouldn't be no uh, Mike and the Mad Dog. There wouldn't be anybody without him, and that's a fact. I mean. I mean, you know, you know, you you know how it's done. The whole night, it goes on and on. I mean, everybody over there, believe me, they know they're not they're not stupid. They know because that man was definitely a pioneer, or whatever you want to call him. Uh, uh, you know, first class, the whole nine yards. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's it, it's you know, it, it's it's sad. It really is sad. Thank you, Daniel, for letting me speak. Carla, thanks always for the call. All the time calls in. Let's keep it going here. Stuart in Brooklyn. You're on the fan. Morning, Danielle. How, How are, are you? you today? I'm good. Pleasure man. speaking to you. Of course. I have a nightmare story to tell you. I'm now, listening. I was driving my yellow cab in 1982 when the I Man comes on WNBC, which which was there at the time, and I'm listening to him. I listen to him every day. And he comes over here around uh, nine something in the morning. He says, oh, "Carly Simon lost her lips." Mm-hmm. Just as a, out of the blue, <laughs> my next passenger was Carly Simon. Okay. She says, I, 
start talking to her, then she starts talking about James Taylor, <clears throat> and then she gives me an autograph lip print and tells me to tell Imus my lips are hot as ever. <laughs> I called funny. the radio station. Three days later, the I-Man comes on and says, New York cab driver found Carly Simon's lips. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. Oh, that's but funny. But getting to him, he, like Carlo just said, he want, he helped get the station off on the right foot. Yeah. He put it on the map, and he continued to be there until that unfortunate incident with Rutgers, yep. which was very unfortunate, and that was his downfall. But he made, he put it there, he put the station on the map, and he made it what it is today. And I'm sorry to hear that he passed away. I was speaking to a friend of mine last night. He told me I missed passed away. And I was trying to name who passed away. And my friend said, you named everybody except Imus. And then I didn't, he didn't tell me who it was. I finally put it together, and I said, is it Imus? He said, yeah. Wow. And I felt so sad. It's like, oh, my God, another icon gone. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it makes me feel very sad because he was part of New York for 50 years. Came on the air in 1969, I believe. And then Charles McCord joined him in 1971. It's a long time. To the it's a generation. Oh, yeah, it is a generation. And uh, Danielle, getting to the Yankees, they don't need Josh Hader. No. Not right now. If they do need him, fine, let them get in on it. But well, they need a, a, another infielder, maybe uh, a tweak here and there, and they're ready to go. I mean, let's. Uh, but more importantly for them is to stay healthy. They have to stay healthy. Or else uh, it's going to be the next man up again this year. And uh, who knows? We don't know what we're going to be looking at. And getting to the Giants, let's hope they can pull it out tomorrow and give us a, fi a final send-off in a good mood. Yeah, you would, you would hope that. And, uh, one more thing, Danielle. Yes. I want to wish you and everybody over there a happy and a healthy new year. Thank you. You too, Stuart. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks Bye -bye. for the call. Uh, yeah, and this Josh Hader has come up two calls in a row. And, and let me address it because Josh Hader, my question is, would he fit in the Bronx? Of course he's going to fit in the Bronx. I mean, he he's one of the best pitchers, relief pitchers out there, arguably, right? He's got a career 242 ERA. But what scares me about Josh Hader is his 18 ERA in one inning in the postseason. I mean, I'm being facetious here and saying that I'd rather stick with Adovino because his ERA in the postseason is only an 8.1 in three and one-third innings pitch. But here's the real reason why I want to hold off on Hader, and it's because... At least to the trade deadline. Hear me out because Gio Urshela. I, the Brewers are not set at third base. So this deal is going to be Urshela and Duhar, right? And I'm not making that move yet because A, I'm not convinced Andujar is damaged goods. He's coming off an injury. He only played 12 games last season. And how quickly we forget that he was actually robbed of the rookie of the year title in 2018 when he lost it to Otani at the Angels. I mean, he had a franchise record in doubles. I mean, the stats hit basically 300, 27 home runs, 92 RBIs. And so part B of that is, and his, his path to the show was absolutely astronomical. And part B of that is I'm not really convinced that Gio Urshela could keep his 2019 pace in 2020. Because when you look at his numbers, 314 batting average, I mean, off the charts, 236 total bases. I mean, those numbers, he's been in the league for four years, Gio Urshela, right? And this is inclusive of these numbers. What he put up last year is well 
beyond and above his career numbers over the four years he's been in the majors. And he's, can he keep up that pace? I don't know. So what I'm saying is Yankees got to stand pat right now because you got to see if Gio Rochelle is going to put up another consecutive career year to the trade deadline. You got to give them both a chance to work it work itself out. What if you trade the wrong guy? What if you keep Urshela and Andujar goes on to do great things? What if you keep Andujar and then Urshela goes on to do great things? You know, so you, you got to let it play out if you're if you're the Yankees, and then you got to pick which one fits you better. Let their true colors both come out, both Andujar and Urshela. You pick which one you're going to keep, and then you move on appropriately. I got to caution this because this seems to be lost in this whole Garrett Cole hoopla is, is the, the departure of Didi Gregorius. There's a lot less flexibility in, in the in, in Yankees infield defense without Didi Gregorius. And we could talk about what his lefty bat meant to the lineup too. His put the ball in play mentality with a little pop in the bat too. I think the Yankees are going to miss Didi more than, more than, more than you think. Guys, it starts here with with this hater deal, and and I'm seeing articles saying the Yankees are really, really interested, like really interested. I just hope that they have a good handle on on which guy they want to deal for him. I just don't think that happens until the trade deadline or before it. More calls. 877-337-6666. We'll hit some IMUS. We have yet to talk some Giants, so we'll do that as well. And we have a call about women in sports. So you guys hang right there and uh, load them up again. I am Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Tomorrow, the Giants wrap up their 2019 season with a big game against the Eagles. And we'll bring you all the action, beginning with Giants game day at 210, followed by kickoff at 425. Then later on, we'll head out to Seattle for the Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers as they vie for first place in the NFC West. So make sure you're locked in for all the action here on your flagship station for Giants and NFL football. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Sports Radio 66, WFAN, and WFAN-FM, New York. Good morning, everybody. Back with you on McCartan After Midnight on The Fan. I wanted to share with you a couple tweets that I've been getting, getting during the break on my, my, my charts. We're about to open up the, the, the Giants can of worms as well. But um, one of the tweets I got was from Thomas Viola at TV at work. He said, my hope is that maybe an offen- better offensive line will allow Gase to run his offense better. And help Darnold more. Sanchez actually played well when he had a stellar O-line. But I fully recognize that I'm just wistfully hoping Gase isn't bad because I know he isn't leaving. Someone wants to know, I forget the, the name, wants to know where my, my Giants chart is. Oh, Michael Nero, he wants to know, and your point is, didn't see a Giants chart. The constant beatdown of this coach is hilarious. I'm glad you think it's hilarious. Jets fans, they don't have that luxury. But my response is, Daniel Jones in year one, with Shermer, is putting up record numbers for a rookie quarterback. Actually, I mean, actually. Better numbers than, than Sam Darnold ever put up, and I know that's not on, on Gase. But Daniel Jones leads all rookie quarterbacks in touchdown passes. So, yeah, there's no chart there because there's nothing to compare it to because he's a rookie. That That's the answer to that. And a quick little mention that um, in the 9 o'clock hour, um, John Minko is actually here working on it now. They are going to be putting uh, together a, a special – a short special. Um, all all the big wigs here are be putting together a short special for uh, Don Imus. 
It'll be in the 9 o'clock hour. Mike Francesco is narrating it. Minko is here. I don't know who else is a part of it, but those are the two I do know. Um, so if you're up, if you're awake, the 9 o'clock hour, you can listen and, and tune into that. Don in East Yapank, you're on the fan. Thanks for hanging on. Hey, Danielle. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Happy holidays, of course, to start off. You too. Just a, just a couple of points, you guys. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'll go a little bit all over the place here <laughs> okay. for a second. I'm ready. All right, on on the Mets. Yes, it, it's not you know, and it's a lot. A lot of Mets fans get frustrated. Even some of the you know hosts on the show that are Mets fans talk about spending money, spending money, spending money. The spending money part isn't the problem with with the Mets. Is they got to spend it wisely. A couple years ago, they spent more on free agency than any other team. I know. And struck out almost on every everyone that they went to pick. Mm-hmm. You know, they're talking about Arenado. Where is McNeil going to play? I'm assuming they have to move him into third base because obviously Cano's going nowhere. Right now, yes, he is the starting third baseman, yes. And if Cespedes is, is truly going to come back and obviously try try to play for his next big payday, which probably will not be here, Yep. but regard, regardless, you got a situation where you're a little jammed up, where they they don't have maybe the flexibility to to add another guy like that. But I don't think that they, you know, that makes it life or death for them. If Neil continues to perform, hits over 300, gets on base, you have some pop throughout that lineup. I I think they'll be all right. But where they the problem with the Mets with the money is they can't afford mistakes. The Yankees had Ellsbury, didn't even blink an eye. Yeah. Didn't matter. He was getting all that money. Yeah. They lived with it year in and year out. The Mets had right. Couldn't play. They were paying them. And they get the insurance money back, but it's not, you know, it's not right away. They had Cespedes paying them. Couldn't play. That's uh, the how biggest about, How about difference. Bobby Bonilla? <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Jeez, geez. What, are you trying to give Mets fans a heart attack? Or <laughs> Best contract in all sports. <laughs> yes. And then uh, he, he was the smartest guy I ever knew. He made himself his own IRA or 401k <laughs> all the way back in the 90s. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, to the other point about the Jets and, and the Giants, the fans get very frustrated. They, they get mad at the coaches. Oh, we got to change the coaches. We got to change the GM. The problem is when you're developing these players, and you made a good point that Jones is coming along nice, Dono not as, not as quickly. But if you keep changing that, you look at the NFL go around, teams that have been consistently good, even when they haven't won the Super Bowl, your Saints, your Seahawks, your Steelers, your Patriots, go down the line. It's all stability with the coaching and the general managers. And they stay good for a long time. And the names change. I mean, look at what Tomlin did in Pittsburgh. He's got a second and third string quarterback, and the guy still has a shot to make the playoffs. I know, and an injured, losing, injured oh, Connor, God. injured Juju. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, that go, just goes to show you how much it, it is important to pick that coach and that GM yep. that's going to give you that stability and develop these players so that when you add other pieces, you can continue to move forward. And quick uh, final. Very sad to hear about Don Imus. You know, as a kid growing up, I used to remember hearing him in the car with my parents. You know, I got old, I kind of went the other way with Howard Stern, but I, I still remember those days. And, you know, God bless his family. And he did a lot for the station and a lot for radio overall. So, uh, you know, I, I, he'll, he'll be missed. And unfortunately, you got to take the good of the bad and the ugly with those guys because back in the day of the shock jock era, you know, they weren't always politically correct and whatever. But the overall, uh, I don't know, the overall package of what they brought and how they furthered radio definitely was a good thing. Yeah, d- definitely a different era. Don, thanks for the call. 
uh, I'm getting a tweet from uh, at Justin Bryan 323. I mean, he's like, one, you made this on Google Sheets, question mark? Yeah, I'm sharing you with you, Justin, my notes from from my show. I make my notes on Google Docs. I mean, what's wrong with that? First of all, he's, he's commenting how unprofessional it looks. Okay, well, these are my notes. So, you, you know, whatever. Uh, he said, two, it's very hard to ignore the fact that Sam is playing behind a second string O-line. Mm, yeah, right. Uh, how about some rollouts then to design uh, by the coach to, to get him away from that second string O-line, right? He said, three, that said, I'm fathoming the notion that some teams look competent with second and third string quarterbacks. Let's see what Gase does next year. Uh, I'd rather not I'd rather not waste the year, but uh, Christopher Johnson does not agree with me. Clearly. Rick in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. How are you? Of course. Good. How are you? Yes, I'm, I wanted. I wanted to ask you a question um, about the Giants. A big Giant fan. Do you think we uh, they're waiting to fire Shermer and Gettleman has ties with Ron Rivera? He he is a defensive minded coach. Yeah. And and basically, we could just go on and let Mike Shula handle the offense and go ahead and groom Daniel Jones. Um. Then what would be the point of firing Shermer? Okay. You know what I'm saying? I, it, to me, it's it's the same thing. I mean, then it's just getting another head head coach figurehead in there. You know what I mean? What I would like mm-hmm. to see, I'll give you this, what I would like to see, and I said this like week three or so, I would like Pat Shermer to give up the play-calling duties. Focus on being the head coach, let Shula do his job, and then see what happens. Okay. That so would be what, a change you, within a change, I think. Okay, so what what do you think about this, this defense with – James Betcher, it, it's just... Oh, it's terrible. It's just yeah, terrible. Do you, do, you, do you have anybody in mind that they would bring in as a defensive coordinator? Well, I, I don't I don't like playing this game, Rick. I'll tell you why, because as of right now, he's still got his job. I'm not going to be... I, I know I hammer Adam Gase, he, but he's still got his job. I'm not getting his replacement in. You know, I'm not lining up any replacements. Um, so as of right now, there are no vacancies on the Giants coaching staff. So I'm not going to play the game of, you know, who would you like to see... Um, but what I would like to see if at the very least would be, um, Shermer still as head coach with, um, without doing play calling, leave that to the offensive coordinator and Betcher's unit has just uh, totally um, under, 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 underperformed. Find yourself maybe a new defensive coordinator, but right now I'm not, I'm not playing that fantasy game because, you know, Maybe there's a guy uh, on the Ravens you would like to take, but you can't talk to them until the season's over. So I'm not I'm not going to be going down that route. Um, but I do uh, appreciate at least the sentiment of what's going on here. Um, but I just I don't think you you fire Pat Shermer, give up the play calling, and then what's his name uh, Rivera comes in and it's just it, that that doesn't make any sense to me. Rob in Keensburg, you're on the fan. Hey, earlier in the night you were talking about the great. Williams sisters in tennis, and I had to call and wait about uh, wait to call about this. Sure. I thought what I thought what that nineteen year old Canadian girl Bianca Andreska did in the U.S. Open, yeah, beating Vanessa Williams on and the pressure she was under, everybody chanting USA, USA, yep, was the the most incredible sporting moment, man, woman, or child of the year. Yeah, it's up there, isn't she it? Is, she, she is like Tom Brady in Canada. <laughs> yeah, is she? And she and, and yeah, nobody knows who she is here. But I just wanted to give her a little love because I I, I have not seen that something that incredible 
the pressure she was under, she started losing, and she was only 19. Yeah. She kept her cool, and she she made $6 million, was the most incredible thing I've seen since Tom Brady came back well, in the Super Bowl. Isn't that the one she had the poster of Venus Williams on her wall growing up? That's the story, right? And then she, she I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 I never even heard of her. Yeah. Nobody heard of her until, until the U.S. Open, but she is, uh, I mean, I was so impressed with her. I, I had to call up about that because she beat Venus Williams and the whole crowd was chanting USA, USA. Yeah. You know, it was, it, was a, it was a United States crowd. And yeah. I don't put anything that anybody did this year. She should get sports person of the year. Well, it was, uh, well, Simone, what was it? Simone Biles was just named female sports person of the year, wasn't it? It really shouldn't even be broken down. I know, it should be I know. What, what, you, what you did. I mean, she did something that I didn't see a man do this year. Yeah. She was under, that is pressure. You're under, you're going against the greatest tennis legend one of, in, in women's history. Yeah. And, she, and nobody even heard of her. And now she's a, a teenage millionaire. I mean, you know, <laughs> and she deserves it. Yeah. I just wanted to give her a little love. You got <laughs> it. I appreciate that. Thank a, you. a little love. I, okay. I, I appreciate that, Rob. Thanks for, for that. Um, yeah. And, and maybe there's a little audience for women in sports here. Uh, but yes, I just fact checking myself here. Simone Biles was named the AP female athlete of the year. Obviously the Olympic gymnast, Simone Biles. Um, and, and you're right. Maybe it shouldn't be broken down. I don't like that it's broken down. It should be just one athlete. But then, you know, then you say, oh, well, is she just getting it because she's a woman and haven't had one in a couple years? So in a way, it's good that it's separate. In a way, you know, I mean, you have some incredible feats from, from female athletes. One of my favorites this year, too, he just said his favorite, Rob did, and my favorite is is Elena Deladon playing with three bulging or slip discs in her back in the NBA Finals, bringing the first championship to Washington, to the Washington Mystics. And by the way, the reason why she plays in Washington, if you're not unfamiliar with that, the reason why she plays in Washington is to be closer to her family because her sister is, is severely handicapped and you know she couldn't be away from her. She was playing in Chicago, couldn't be away from her, and, and requested a trade. And they made it work. Now she plays for Washington under Mike Tebow, and he is uh, a great coach. And her teammate, Christy Tolliver, finds herself on, on a coaching staff in the NBA. And I think that is awesome as well. And, and she plays WNBA basketball, right, as her career. And Christy Tolliver, I'm trying to get the team, Christy Tolliver, Emmanuel, can you help me out? Christy Tolliver, I think she's a, Wa- a Washington Wizard coach, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right about that, but I'm going to double check. Yeah, Christy Tolliver. I'm trying to – Christy Tolliver. See, I don't even know, and that's the thing, and I follow this. Christy Tolliver. He's working on it. But there's also and, – and here's another thing. Becky Hammond. I would like her – and we talked about it here two weeks ago. I would like – love for her to get consideration for the next job when it's open because she is a very accomplished – basketball player she knows the game i mean it's 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 not hard the washington wizards got it assistant coach yeah she's just one of three active women's coaches in the wnba in the nba i'm sorry coaching was a career goal for tolliver she's also a wnba star plays point guard for the washington mystics quick call uh, sam and hackensack you're on the fan Hey, love the show. Thanks. I just want to talk about the absurdity of two callers ago talking about the player that beat uh, Venus Williams, uh, Serena Williams, sure. excuse me. Uh, women's tennis is kind of not 
uh, a player in this sense. It's like with men, they maintain. That you could tell me right now, I could tell you three of the four players will be in the U.S. Open final, uh, Wimbledon final. Women win, and then for some reason, they don't maintain. This. It's not like the days of Martina Navratilova, Chris Everett, where they are consistent players. He's basing this on one upset over a player well into her 30s, and he, he said three things. That, uh, he said that she's a millionaire three times. Who cares how much money she has? <laughs> yeah, true. That's not a reason you pick an athlete of the year. Yeah, she had a big moment. She had a terrific U.S. Open. Let's see what she does next year. Let's see what she does the year after that. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'll give you that. But I you think know, he was I just mean, saying Biles that... is the best of what she does for a long time. Yeah, to hold it, that, that's like that's absurd. I see, I see what you're saying. I do. I just think he was just trying to say that it was just a phenomenal performance. It was, but that's all it was, you know. And we don't know. Next year, she could, you know. Um, look at Osaka. She just, you know, she's having all kinds of trouble now. She upset uh, Serena Williams too. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. a good point. Yeah. We'll have to Thank see you. how how they could sustain that, Sam. And yeah. Thanks for the call, Sam and Hackensack. Uh, we are up against the break, so I'm going to hit the break really quickly. Uh, more of your calls after the break. We are. I, I need to get to Eagles at Giants, Jets at Bills. So that will be up after the break. If you want to get on board for Giants and Jets. Um, you're more than welcome to 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan. The Nets road trip begins tonight when they stop in Houston to take on James Harden in the Rockets. Our coverage gets underway at 745 with tip-off at 805, exclusively on your flagship station for Brooklyn Nets basketball. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. And good morning, everybody. Man, this has been a lively, lively show tonight. If you want to get aboard, 877-337-6666. Manuel will take your Jets and Giants calls. And more specifically, Jets, Bills, Eagles, Giants. So if you'd like to call up with that, of course, you are more than welcome. So uh, let's take Giants. We haven't talked a lot of Giants tonight, so we'll do that first. We, we did a lot of Jets tonight. So we have the 8-7 and seven Eagles. i got predictions coming up for you, too, before the 5 o'clock. So here we go. Eight and seven Eagles at the four and eleven Giants. That game was a one o'clock game, by the way. If you haven't seen it yet, it has been flexed to four twenty-five p.m. It's coming to you from MetLife Stadium. Uh, last I checked, the Giants are four and a half point underdogs to the Eagles. And as you know, I'm sure you're you are well versed in the fact that the Giants are playing for nothing except for their own pride this weekend in their final home game of the season. They're already eliminated from playoff contention, as you already know. And you might already also know that there are only two spots left, two tickets to punch to the NFL playoffs. And uh, the final AFC wildcard spot, as of today, would go to the Titans, the Ryan Tannehill-led Titans, and the Raiders and Steelers would be looking in. They are in the hunt, classified as. And then the other ticket to be punched Nobody wants to win the NFC East. So with the win against the Giants on Sunday, the Eagles can clinch the East and a playoff berth. And with a loss against the Giants on Sunday, the Eagles would have to pray for a Cowboys loss to the Redskins. So we do have meaningful, in a way, football, at least for the NFC East standings, this week. And coming into this game, believe it or not, guys, the Giants are playing their best football season. I know. 
Two weeks ago with Eli, the Giants scored 36 points. One week ago with, with Jones, the Giants scored 41 points. That's an overtime. Last week, Saquon Barkley set a franchise record 279 yards from scrimmage. If In case you're wondering, keeping track, Tiki Barber held the record prior to that. And then last week, Daniel Jones, oh, by the way, sets a rookie team record five touchdown passes in a game. Both were named finalists for the FedEx Aaron Ground Players of the Week. I didn't see who had won that, actually, but they were both nominated for sure. The Giants played the Eagles just two weeks ago. And the Giants, 17-3 lead, sputtered in the second quarter, lost in overtime, 23-17. Eli Manning was the Giants quarterback. Pat Shermer said, this is our last game, and I assure you that they're going to put everything they are going, they're going to put everything into making sure this last game goes the right way. We'll see what happens. It'd be good news for the Giants. They might catch a break in the sense that Zach Gertz is, in fact, sitting out with broken ribs. Uh, and I think they, they, put, they added on an undisclosed back injury as well. And uh, the Giants' struggle in recent history has been versus the tight ends. And in 13 career games against the Giants, Ertz has, like, killed them. 70 receptions for 807 yards and seven touchdowns. Most touchdowns against any team for him. And while the receptions and yards are second most against any team, Washington Redskins is it being the first. As I give you all the time, my matchup to watch in this Giants game is going to be if he is, in fact, playing. Oh, by the way, Zach Kurtz, Zach Ertz caught the game winner. You know that. Last time they played, you know that. He was barely guarded in the end zone. You know that. And Ogletree said after the game that, oh, you know, basically they, they didn't know how to cover him. What? That should have been a fireable fence right, right there for James Betcher. But anyway, the matchup to watch for me, for you, um, I'd like to see what Darius Slayton, the Giants wide receiver, could do against the Eagles cornerback Jalen Mills. Um, Mills actually, though, I checked, I guess yesterday, now Friday, Jalen Mills was on the Friday's injury report. He was limited in, uh, in, in practice, questionable for Sunday. So if he does play, this is going to be my matchup to watch. Questionable, it does not mean out. So three weeks ago versus the Eagles, I want to tell you, I want to listen carefully. I want to tell you something. Giants fifth-round rookie, Darius Slayton. Five catches for a career-high 150 yards and two touchdowns against the Eagles. He really took it to Ronald Darby in coverage. So Slayton leads all rookie wide receivers in touchdowns. Let me say it again. You got Daniel Jones leading all rookie quarterbacks in touchdowns, and you got Darius Slayton, the fifth-round dude, leading all rookie wide receivers in touchdowns. Eight. He's the Giants' best deep threat, which is 44 passes, 490 yards. So if it's Darby not playing Sunday, then Slayton, Mills, that, that's going to be Mills' responsibility, Slayton. And, Slayton. and Mills has allowed 25 receptions this season. His, his grade is only a 57.7 on pro football focus. In my line of work, that's an F. So I think Darius Slayton's going to have an excellent game. And uh, before the game starts, if you're in New Jersey, you can put your money on any time touchdown scorer on Darius Slayton. And I'm going to take 
15% of all the profit that you make for that. That's a little tip there. I love uh, anytime touchdown scores. The props are cool. I like that. And for the Eagles, they're looking for Carson Wentz's signature win. February 4th, 2018. That's the Super Bowl. Fans watched the backup Nick Foles catch that touchdown pass on that Philly special in their 41-33 win over the Patriots. The Wentz and Foles comparisons and contrasts, they are fast and furious. They will always be there until, of course, Carson Wentz has his signature game. Could this be it? Wentz has the ninth best rating in the league entering play. He's closing in on the Eagles' first 4,000-yard season, and he needs 250 yards this week to hit that. Doable, right? That's kind of doable. Zach Ertz is out. Nelson Aguilar is out. And then his tackle, 6-6 monster, Lane Johnson, is questionable. From what I've seen, the injury and stuff, I, I think he'll be out. So can Wentz get it done without two of his top targets and his tackle and still throw 250? I think that's a lot to ask. If this is the game, and quotes there, the game, Wentz is certainly going to earn it. But these things all slant in the Giants' favor from what I've seen. And if you're a Cowboy fan in this area, because I know there are a lot, there are a lot of them, you are the biggest Giants cheerleader this weekend. So all things considered, based on my research, I expect actually a high-scoring game. The point spread as of tonight, last I checked, Giants are four-and-a-half-point underdogs. That could change based on injuries or whatever. Last I checked, four-and-a-half-point underdogs, Giants. However, I do think the Giants are going to pull this game out. I've got the Giants 28, Eagles 24. I don't know. Lenny told me not to say that I have a feeling because I have this all based in research, but I have a feeling. Giants are going to show up. Daniel Jones is going to show up. And Darius Slayton is going to show up. Mike in East Rockaway, you're on the fan. Hey, top of the morning, Danielle. How are you? Good, you. Happy holidays, Christmas, and... Uh, New Year's. Got it all covered. Yeah. <laughs> An old-timer like me, we're closing in on another decade. <laughs> yep. um, Danielle, I enjoy your show. Mm-hmm. Uh, excellent behind the microphone. I'm a long-time Mets fan, Jet fan. Used to watch him at Hofstra for 40 years. Um, not much you could say about the New York football teams this season. No. Okay. Uh, just when we think they're on a roll, the Jets, when they beat the Raiders, that was three in a row, and they had the Bengals on deck, you know, we thought we had a little something going. Uh, maybe a wild card, but all things considered, um, you know, that gaze, I'll, I'll start with this. And uh, that article that was written about him last week, if it was true what he said, that the hell with uh, the Jet fan base, I'm making a ton of money. And good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, what a narcissistic, self-centered, uh, much like a few callers I hear on talk radio. Mike, um, doesn't it fit the profile, though? It does. But you know what amazes me? I don't know. A couple of weeks ago, I called. Um, he was a very animated coach with the Dolphins. 
you know, he was always on the move, and now he looks like a cadaver with a beard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, I I hope uh, the Bills come to playoffs. Uh, I hope they or somebody else knocks out the Patriots on the first round because it's deja vu all over again with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're uh, you know AFC fan and longtime Jets fan like I am, but um, I'll tell you what. I'm looking forward to, I'm down in Myrtle Beach for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. In March, I go to Florida, hang out with friends, cousins, spring training. And, uh, you know, let's see what happens with the new season. Yankee fans have to be ecstatic. You know, a typical George Steinbrenner contract with Cole. Uh, And it's hard to believe, Danielle, every time he puts his toe to the rubber, um, he's getting a million bucks. Yep. Things have changed. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll leave you with this. Um, you are excellent behind a microphone. I tune you in, and that's why I listen. Thank you. And you know what? Uh, Danielle, all the best. Happy New Year. And keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that, Mike. Thanks for tuning yep. in, always. Uh, can we do it, 56? Uh, no, let's, let's, we're, we're going to be up against the break. I don't want to cut you off there, Tim, so just hang on through the break. Um, so my preview for the Giants is going to be Giants are going to beat the Eagles, I think. And I think Giants fans are going to be very happy with that. That they get to knock the Eagles out. Because, you know what? The Cowboys are not a strong team. And they will be gone after the first round. I am sure of it. And then, therefore, Giants fans could be happy. In in the spoiler role. In in that sense. So, I I think the Giants are going to knock out the Eagles. 28-24. Behind the play of... Really, Darius Slayton. I mean, when you guys talk about job security and all that, I mean, I'd like you to think, and I know Dave Gettleman did not do a good job with free agency money, making trades. I know that. But the guy knows how to draft. He does. I mean, Dexter Lawrence, I mentioned it um, the other day. Dexter Lawrence is putting together a very, very, very sneaky good season. No one really seems to be talking about him. Dexter Lawrence. He's the fifth highest graded rookie in 2019 so far, by the way. Oh, by the way. Excellent in run defense. 29 quarterback pressures. He's accounted for 23% of the Giants quarterback pressures. Single-handedly. Sneaky, sneaky, right? Oh, but Chase Young, so much better. Imagine the two of them on the line. So maybe that's why you're conflicted. Maybe that's why you don't want your Giants to win this week. I get it, guys. I get it. You might be out of Chase Young contention. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in the rest of the league. I think you got to go and play to win a game. You have to. More of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. We're going to hit the reset button at 5 a.m. here in New York City. Sports Radio 1019 FM. And good morning, everybody. We are at the top of the hour, 5 o'clock. I am uh, with you till 6. And then at 6, it's going to be Richard Neer that steps in and takes over. And just so you guys know, in the 9 o'clock hour during Richard Neer's show, they are going to be doing a tribute um, to the late Don Imus. I'm sure you've heard by now, but if you have not, Don Imus passed away. Uh, now, yesterday, about uh, news broke about 11 hours ago, 
at 79 years old. Um, he was at in a hospital College Station, Texas. And we did start the show on a somber note. Um, he he was here. Don Imus was here for nearly 20 years. And and you guys know it by now. I, I hope that my intro, my opening monologue has intro songs. And, I, you know, I wasn't going to do a song because, you know, it's a somber thing. But um, one of my Twitter followers, Joe Salimano, Sol- Solimano, he, um, he suggested one for me. And this... There's a song I had on, Young Girl, it's called, by Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. And why I picked it? Well, because that was the first song that Don Imus ever played on air in his entire career on June 1st, 1968 in Palmdale, California. Tributes have been pouring in. You guys have been calling in with your memories of Don Imus. Those are also welcome. So if you want to hit it up, hit us up. It's 877-337-6666. Um, Obviously, some Mets, Giants, Yankees, even Knicks and Nets tonight, too. Um, but just to touch on Don Imus for a second, um, every caller, every guest has touched, and every host that I've heard from Steve Summers on, well, it, w- it would be Steve and, and Sal, but they talked about his professionalism, his genuineness, his vision for sports radio and for radio just in general, his sense of humor. I mean, the 9-11 clip that Steve Steve Summers played I mean, it just demonstrated that. The tact, the word choice, all that. The calmness about him. But I also understand that not everyone loved Don Imus. He was gruff. And unfortunately, one of the lasting memories of him was that Rutgers University commentary he had about the women's basketball team. And for that memory, I was a freshman in college. Um, my professor, I was in a, a social issues course, actually, um, that same day. My professor used the entire three-hour class to to use those Imus comments as, as teachable moments for all of us in the room that night. Um, so the shock shock thing, well, times have obviously changed. Um, but that moment, unfortunately, will live on in infamy as an unfortunate stitch in the fabric of radio history. And I, I never met Don, uh, Don Imus, but I'd have him to thank very indirectly for sitting in this chair tonight, talking to you at WFAN Studios, because as you've heard all night long, without Imus, there might not be a WFAN or WFAN as we know it. And you've heard Mike Francesa, Chris Russo, Boomer Sison, Mark Chernoff, Steve Summers, Salicata, all give their take on it, and others. I might have missed some. I did close my eyes for a little bit, or try to, at least, before I came on the air. Um, and then I told a story about when I was in high school, um, all the sports captains were invited to a field trip to Hackensack High School. High school won't bore you with all the details, but basically, um, I come to find out that now I can look back and, and reflect upon it. It was the Don Imus Pediatric Cancer for Tomorrow's Children. He raised something like thirty or forty million dollars for the cause. I mean, we, the captains of my high school sports teams, we met, we played with all the kids right before Christmas. We went bearing gifts. Uh, we were. We, it was such a fun time. Reflecting upon it, though. I do realize and appreciate the charitable work of Don Imus. And those kids were playful, smiling. They had the best care in the world in a state-of-the-art facility. And that was all possible, I know now, because of Don Imus. So obviously it's a very sad day for radio, sad day for us here at The Fan, for you as well, and obviously a sad day for his family. Um, I don't know if anybody has said this yet, so if you're listening and you want to contribute to his causes, to his passions, the family is requested that any donations made uh, be made to the Imus Ranch Foundation. 
It supports charities and children for children with cancer and other major illnesses. So I typed that into Google. Nothing really came up. It kind of redirected me to tacklekidscancer.com, um, which is obviously work that Eli does too with Hackensack Hospital. And I don't know, it just it hit me because the image that shows up is a, of a girl named Becca who has beaten cancer and whose family I know very well. So this came all full circle. Um, and I know it's going to be a tough transition to sports tonight, but you know, for the last 40 or 50 minutes here, but we can do it. I want to hear your Imus memories and your sports. Um, so here we go. Um, we talked about Yankees and Mets as well. Yankees adding Garrett Cole. Uh, we had a very disgruntled Mets fan call up and say, well, why don't we just uh, hand the Yankees very facetiously, hand the Yankees the trophy right now. Why don't we even have to play the season? Well, you have to play the season because things can happen. And the Mets will get theirs when the savior Cohen shows up and the Mets can spend a little more. But for right now, their team isn't looking bad. It's just the problem is that they play in the NL East. Uh, yeah, the NL East. I almost said NFC. I'm thinking football. They play in the, the NL East, the Mets, and that's the problem. You got the reigning World Series champions, Nationals in there, and you got the Braves. The Marlins don't scare me, but you got those two teams ahead of the Mets. And that's kind of scary. At this point, you got to hope the Mets, you know, they just got to get their foot in the door. Like last season, same for this season. They just got to get their foot in the door, get a wild card spot, and then make some magic after that. Tim in Tom's River, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Happy New Year. You too. Uh, quick two things. Yeah. Uh, first of all, rest in peace, Don Imus. Mm-hmm. I used to listen to him with my father driving to school, and it gave me and my father something else to bond over, so I thank him for that. Um, on the Mets, there's been a lot of talk about trading J.D. Davis, and I don't think they should do it at all. I mean, the guy is backing up five different positions mm-hmm. on the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about it, God forbid Cano was to go down, they have to shift McNeil to second, J.D. Davis is a starter at third. Yeah. And his bad plays, I mean, if any one of those five positions go down, you don't lose much with J.D. Davis. You do with Jed Lowry. So you're just saying stand pat? Or you're suggesting a different When it comes to J.D. Davis, yeah, I'm saying Sam Pat. I'm thinking use Dominic Smith more as a chip, Yeah, Yeah, I actually, I I do agree with you there, because Dominic Smith really, I mean, there's nowhere for him to really play. You got a log jam at first base with uh, Alonzo. He's not going anywhere. So, yeah, you know what? I I, I do agree with you in that sense. And J.D. Davis's bat is something you can't lose if you're you're the Mets. Yep. His fielding leaves a little to be desired, but the bat is important. Yeah, maybe have David Wright work with him the entire spring training and get him up to speed on third base. Isn't that a great guy to learn from? Yeah. <laughs> and you said you had a second point? No, it was um, talking about Don Amos. And oh, 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 gotcha. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for them. Gotcha. Okay, well, Tim, right. thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, and, and that's a great point. So maybe J.D. Davis could work out a little bit with uh, with David Wright. David Wright is he's still, I guess, a special advisor to to the Mets. Um and listen, the Mets took a really big gamble on that back end of that bullpen. If one or two of those guys, two, let's just say, if two of those guys pan out, which the two I think are going to be Diaz and uh, Batances, that's a very scary, scary back end of the bullpen. Eric, in Ron Konkuma, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle, good morning. Good morning. How are you this week? Good, good. good. Uh, did you ever locate that jersey you were looking for? You know, someone found me a USA jersey. Um, and I'm deciding between that or a Rangers. And he's referencing um, 
there was a Jack McCartan. We had a caller, what, two weeks ago, say that there's a Jack McCartan. Am I related to him? Because he played on the Olympic team and the Rangers. I had no idea. I don't know a Jack. Oh. I went home and asked my dad. I don't know. But you know what? I'm just deciding between USA and Rangers. So, yes, I have located gotcha. it. Gotcha. You know, the the one thing just about Don Emmis real quick, I yeah. used to love his laugh. You know, the, it's one of the most unmistakable laughs out there. Uh, on You know, so uh, uh, just you know, he, whatever topic he was talking about, uh, if you started laughing, I almost started laughing with him just for the sake of the, you know, uh, you know, he, he had so much joy in that, uh, whenever he did that. Yeah. Um, the, the, the giant, uh, Eagle game, you know, the, you, you were breaking it down before, <clears throat> you know, the Eagles are very, uh, Jekyll and Hyde also, you know, you, you were trying to figure out if Wentz can maybe hit that 250 yeah. with the, uh, the passing yards and everything. I mean, you know, there, there were games when people thought that they would, you know, run over the opponent, and then, like, you know, they end up getting beaten by the Dolphins, you know, and, and stuff like that. It's just, just kind of hard to <clears throat> really kind of, it's in my opinion, put a finger on the yeah. on the, the, this game here. Yeah, so. I know. Uh, week 17 is probably, other than week one, one of the hardest to, to predict. Right, right. And especially with, you know, I mean, the Giants don't, obviously don't have anything to play for. Yeah. The Eagles do, but, again, I mean, with all the injuries, uh, that that they're dealing with. I mean, it's just it's. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, if the Giants won this game. Yeah, I, so. I I'm predicting a Giants win. I said 28-24. Yeah. Giants beat the Eagles. You, you think the scoring will be that much? I on I have sides? yeah, I have a feeling. I I, I do. I, I think the defenses of for both teams aren't really the best, and I right. think it's going to be one of those kind of games. Right. Right. Well, I mean, it'll be interesting. And, and uh, last thing, real quick, yeah. you know, you were mentioning the uh, as far as uh, Gase and uh, um, oh boy, who's the de- the defensive coordinator? It keeps escaping me. Greg Williams. Uh, Williams. Yeah. Williams. Yeah. You know, but um, you know, as far as Gase, I mean, obviously he's had the coaching experience. But the thing that bothers me the most is you, you know you get the um, uh, the the backing of the owner on there, which really, in my opinion, is really more of an interim owner anyway, because yeah. the real owner is overseas. You know, handling his his business there. Yep. You know, so I mean, well, who's to say that he's got the the, the proper outlook on everything, uh, given uh, Gase the, uh, the the thumbs up for, you know, for this season and next season. Great so, question. And then know, he, that, that's what distresses me the most on it. Yeah, you, you have a good rest of the weekend. There, Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it, the call always. Um, and then you got. I was just going to say. Then you got the the Christopher Johnson telling a, a group of fans that oh, I hope my team shows up this week versus the Miami Dolphins. I mean, which, which Christopher Johnson are we getting here? The one that's endorsing the head coach for another season? Or are we getting the one that's praying his team shows up? I mean, that to me is concerning as well. We've had a lot of Adam Gase talk tonight. Guys, we've had a lot of Adam Gase talk tonight. And I would like to get to really quickly, um, probably after the break, what I think is going to happen in this Jets versus JV Bills game this week. Um, the Jets are actually... Uh, one-and-a-half-point underdogs to the JV Bills. There has been no, no change in the line all week. And happy for me, I'm very happy that the Jets play at 1 p.m. And the that's in Buffalo. Tough place to play in Buffalo, especially with the season on the line, huh? The playoffs on the line. Nah, actually not really, not this week, because it's the JV Bills. And the sentence I'm about to say should strike fear in Jets fans' hearts. Because when the Brady-Belichick reign comes to an end, how much longer can Brady possibly play? He's on the decline. The Buffalo Bills are no longer a layup in the AFC East. And who could have predicted that the Bills will be poised to take over the East 
once the evil Patriots empire comes to a crashing end. We, I think we all thought in this area it's going to be the Jets with their top 10 draft picks in place. Jamal Adams from 2017, number six, Sam Darnold from 2018, number three, Quinton Williams from 2019, a pick number three overall. So, I, I mean, I thought it was going to be the Jets that take it over, but apparently the Bills and their fans and their Bills mafia have other plans. And the Patriots, though, they've just locked up the division for 11th time in 11 years, 16th time in 17 years. It's just crazy. The the Buffalo Bills, they're just nestled into the fifth seed in the playoffs. They're not going anywhere. And it's still amazing to me that the Jets are still underdogs to the JV Bills. So, can't wait to hear the excuses coming out of this week. Just put it that way. I think that, you know, Sean McDermott had announced that Josh Allen and other starters will, in fact, start just to keep them sharp. McDermott said, it's the big picture. It's where we are as a team. I agree with that. McDermott continued to say that he would be making substitutions, including at the quarterback position. And he said, I wish I could take them all out. We just don't have the numbers to do that. We feel this is the right decision for us, uh, for this team at the time. Not all of them are going to play the same amount. We want to stay sharp. And I agree with that. Put them in. Get some game speed, game action, a couple hits. Take them out. Because the Bills are in the playoffs. Isn't that crazy? So I've got a matchup to watch for you coming up um, right after the other side of the break. Um, And a couple Jets rankings. And, of course, my prediction for the Jets game. So don't go anywhere. Uh, I am Daniel McCartan on the fan from New York City. And he is Marco Belletti on the update. I'm when Daniel Jones and the Giants look to wrap up their 2019 season tomorrow with a win against Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles at MetLife Stadium. Kickoff is at 425 with Giants game day underway at 210. Hi, this is Bob Papa. Join me along with Carl Banks and Howard Cross for all the play-by-play exclusively on your flagship station for Giants football. The Fan Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. And good morning, everybody. Back with you. I'm Danielle McCartan. McCartan in the morning at this point in time. Just resetting. We were just talking about um, on Don Imus. As uh, you know, it's a, it's a very sad day to come on the air here in New York City, especially on WFAN. Um, what he meant to the station, especially. Um, we talked some Giants. Um, if you're a Giants fan, you know you might be a little confused on, on what to root for this week. In my open, I, I picked the song "Stuck in the Middle." by Steelers wheel stuck in the middle with you because the Giants are a little bit between a rock and a hard place. Do you beat the Eagles? Keep your coach's job, your GM's job. Uh, Does it affect your draft order in any way? But then again, if you lose clinches, the NFCs for the Eagles in your own stadium. I mean, it's just, you just got to go out and play the game for the Giants. And then for the Jets, I had picked, um, Carrie Underwood, my girl, Carrie Underwood's backsliding, the name of the song is, um, because the Jets are, um, they're backsliding. They're going backwards or staying the same. And I, I got a question for Jets fans. Are you satisfied with a number, another 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine record, depending on what happens this week? Are you satisfied with that? Because you let Todd Bowles go in 2018 with a 5-11 and 11 record. 
Is that that much better? Is, is, is what the team is putting up this year that much better than it was last year? I mean, I, I'm going to say no. Okay? I'm going to say no. A lot of you people are citing progress. Well, what progress? Because I tweeted out a graphic at Coach MCCARTAN uh, not long ago. I tweeted out a graphic and I said, I showed you that Todd Bowles' offense outperforms Adam Gase's offense. And Todd Bowles won five games. Adam Gase won was six, maybe. I don't think the Jets are going to win. I'll give you my prediction in a second. Adam Gase is operating with, with a better defense, a way better defense than Tom Bowles ever operated with in 2018. You look at the stats, I should have made this into a guessing game. Throw up Sam, Sam Darnold's stats from Bowles' years, 2018, and, and Adam Gase's years, singular really, both of them, 2018 and 2019. The numbers are almost identical, man. They're almost identical. So while Sam Darnold is not regressing, he's not progressing either. I use the term flatlining. And the problem with the Jets is that they're they're going to be playing a team, what I liken to be the JV squad of the Buffalo Bills, and they're still the underdogs. And my matchup is going to watch, to watch is, is along those lines, the Buffalo Bills defense versus Sam Darnold. And I say this because despite the terrible coaching, Sam Darnold has been playing better after he went to his coach's office to tell Gase his play calling wasn't working. Imagine that, a 22-year-old going to his offensive guru's office to ask for a better game plan. Darnold only has three interceptions since Week 10. Of course, though, the Bills' defensive rankings in the entire NFL, their third best in yards a game, second best in points given up a game. I mean, they are a feisty, feisty bunch. And Jets fans can all agree on the fact that the saving grace of the season is going to be that development of Sam Darnold. Despite Adam Gase holding him back, has he excelled? Hopefully, he can do it against one of the best defenses in the league this week, tomorrow. And that would give the team and the fans to hang their hats on something when this underwhelming season comes to an end. By the way, just a little nugget here, and we'll get back to your calls at 877-337-6666. The Jets have scored seven times on opening drives this season. That's very good. But when Adam Gase falls into being the play caller, the defense can just sit back in coverage. I mean, really. Everybody said Todd Bowles couldn't get his offense going? Man, I bet you missed those days of Ryan Fitzpatrick breaking records with Derek Decker and Brandon Marshall, bringing the Jets within one game in the playoffs. So quick prediction – Based on my research, I expect another low-scoring affair between two good defenses. Point spread, as of last time I checked, was the Jets' uh, one-and-a-half-point underdog. I got the final score, Bills 20, Jets 10. Bills win. Let's head out to Westlake. Steve, you're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Danielle. How are you? Good. How are you, Steve? Well, Danielle, diehard Jets fan. We spoke once before. Okay. And, you know, a couple of, a couple of the questions you have. Satisfied as a Jets fan? Of course not. Yep. Um, you know, it, it, there's no way that a Jets fan, after so many frustrating years and and between ownership and coaching, and then again, players, and it, it, there's just so much frustration there. 
And yes, I am not an Adam Gaze fan. We talk about it before you like, you know, you were so calm on the radio. And when Gaze, when you speak about Gaze, there's a whole different tone to your voice. He drives you absolutely nuts. No, and I understand. What drives me nuts is people trying to defend him. I just, I don't see the defense. I really don't. Oh, no. And I agree with you. The point that you just made that our 22-year-old quarterback has to go to the coach and they have to get on the same page and, and it's the same thing as him having an open and drive and then him not being able to, you know, adjust to a game plan. Correct. As we've seen so many times in the second half is, again, just another thing. And Bowles did the same thing. You know, he had his guys play for him, but again, the team would collapse at the end when it was important. And to me, that's coaching. That's discipline. And then that's one of the hardest things is the amount of penalties that this team has just shows the lack of discipline yep. that they have. Yep, and the yards, um, but, I, 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 I'll, I'll let you finish this, but the last, I just want to talk about that. The last time I checked, the Jets have uh, yards per penalty. Yards given up, it's like the third most in the league. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just really tough. But here's the one thing, though. Mm-hmm. As much as I am not a Gays fan and not happy with the 6-10, and 10, the one thing that definitely came about that we saw this year was how this team has no depth how the offensive line is just horrendous. And if you're not going to protect your star quarterback, the kid isn't going to last because he's gotten beaten up terribly this year. Yep. Between, losing, between losing Williamson and Mosley, you know, Keys, Williamson played so good. Williamson played so good. And Mosley, looking forward to that, and then no cornerbacks. And really, I'm happy with the way that the two kids have played at the end of the year. Because we had no cornerback play. And, yes, Williams has done good with the defense, but this team is hurting where it doesn't really have those players. So, I mean, that's the only thing that I think that people get defensive somewhat of gaze. I don't think he deserves the defense. I think it stands that he has done a poor job, but the team is hurting with players, Danielle. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get it, Stephen. And thanks for the call. That was a great call. Um, I'll, take the, I'll, t- I'll talk about this. The offensive line. I don't know if you were listening last week, but I made the comparison. I drew the comparison between um, the Colts and the Jets in this regard because they both have really disregarded their offensive line via the draft, both of them. And the Colts drafted Andrew Luck in 2012, and I was there. And the last, but the year before that, 2011, they took an offensive tackle, right? The guy's still playing for them. And before that, it, it was 15 years before that where they addressed the offensive line in the draft. So what happened to Andrew Luck? Well, Andrew Luck, terrible offensive line, couldn't keep him upright, hurt. His career was truncated early. The Colts realized that too late. And the Jets, they, they drafted Mangold and Ferguson. Ferguson, Those guys played in every single single game. All in green for the New York Jets. But since then, they haven't really adjusted. They haven't really addressed it. The Jets haven't taken an offensive lineman in the first round in 12 years. So I I had a little plea there to the GM of the Jets. I said, for the love of God, please don't let the Jets realize it too late, too, like the Colts did. And you got to think that GM Joe Douglas, a former offensive lineman himself, is going to make that number one priority in this year's draft. So I'm just saying that the Colts realized it too late. In, in terms of drafting, and I hope that the Jets don't realize it too late either. 
and ruin Sam Darnold because that would be a total catastrophe because I think the kid's got it. I think he's good. Lenny in Long Island, you're on the fan. Hi there. Good morning. I'll make it sweet. First of all, I'm the Jack McCartan caller, so please oh, never... Hey, there you go. I mean, you can etch that in your kitchen table, okay? Yeah, Lenny, uh, I, I, uh, I found a jersey. Did you hear? Yes, I did. That's good. fantastic. That's, that's really good. I saw your Twitter post mm-hmm. about seeing ballparks. Oh, yeah. And that's fantastic. Now, my wife has seen 27 out of 30 Major League ballparks. Wow, good for her. And, and every year we go traveling around. Yep. I will tell you that don't miss the Pittsburgh ballpark, PNC Park. It's fantastic. See a game at night. That's the key. Okay. Uh, the other thing is that I go to minor league games. This year we saw the Toledo Mudhens, the uh, South Bend Cubs, and the Harrisburg Senators Minor league baseball, I don't care what Manfred says, minor league baseball is just fantastic. And uh, my final thing, right around the corner, I think the nicest ballpark in the country is the Staten Island Yankees. Have you ever been there? I have not. Well, go there at night for a night game. The backdrop is Manhattan. Really? That's cool. It's fantastic. I'll put it on the list. Okay, kiddo, go get them. <laughs> Thanks, Lenny. appreciate that. And he's, uh, he's referencing, um, I put up a post before, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I crossed off number 19 of, of all the ballparks, number 19, very recently. I, uh, it was uh, the Rockies, the Colorado Rockies. So I posted a picture of myself um, by the clubhouse and sitting in the dugout steps. So very cool. Um, you know, I was expecting more. Um, I was told that you could see the mountains from the seats. Uh, I didn't really see any mountains. Um, but I did like the, the coolest part of that stadium I have, to me was the fact that they have this in the seats. I'm looking at the pictures now. They, they have in their seats in the upper deck um, a purple row that goes around the entire stadium. And what is the purple row? That's the mile high. That's, that's the line of demarcation for the mile high, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but to me, a little underwhelming, I'll be honest. Steve in Manhattan, you're on the fan. As the fan faithful wake up this morning, Don, I am Mrs. Pass. Danielle, again, you are in the drive truck, drive, drive, drive. I just woke up. <laughs> that other call that said, go there at night to the Staten Island game. It's not too safe around there. You know, you shouldn't be telling people places, but you want to see a beautiful ballpark and you wouldn't even make a connection to it. Penn State Division One baseball, their home field, beautiful. You want to look out and see mountains and stuff. I had a couple of beers when I was there, but it was beautiful, you know. I'll add it to the list. And the thing with, uh, yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's closer than, you know, you know if you're going to drive, it's closer probably to it. And um, you are a school teacher, you said? Yeah. Let me guess, you're a gym teacher. You're no. a gym teacher, right? I teach Italian. No? Huh. Oh, you teach Italian. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. That's good that you're fluent and, and more than I used to fail English. Not I speak English, <laughs> but the uh, the thing is, it's good to have you on. We like you. A lot of people out here like you. Don't let anybody try to snowball you or anything. You have a lot of it comes out. We can hear it. A lot of guys out here like you. If they don't treat you good, a lot of guys out here will be in a bad mood. Let me tell you. But <laughs> well, the thing with Don Imus, yeah. the thing with Don Imus is. He, folks, he brought in the high rollers to, to, the, uh, to the fan with the advertisers. He put the money in. You might as well call them money bags. He brought the big money in there. He um, actually went from a 24-hour sport 
um, station, it, it stopped four hours, but his show is more political and everything, a little yeah. funny, a little satire, and that he saved the joint. And when you brought up the case where he was fired, now when he was fired, he realized one thing too. He also got a big, juicy settlement from the owners of the F. Yeah, and he I goes did. over to the other station. Yeah, I he's did. He's back see on that. radio and syndication, mm-hmm. and, and away we go. The guy always landed on his feet. Tremendous. He's a big player in talk radio. Yeah. And Steve, I appreciate the, uh, the the kind words and the and the I miss call, um, Justin. If we can make it quick, we're up against a break a little bit, but you're on the fan, Justin in Westchester. Thanks for taking the call, Danielle. I almost missed my weekly spot because I was uh, late night behind the stick tonight. <laughs> but uh, how did you like the the picture I sent you uh, earlier today? Uh, which ones? The inappropriate sports name. Oh no, I wasn't going to go yeah. here. <laughs> I, he was. I, I posted I won't before say it, but on I Twitter. Get a kick out of it. I know <laughs> they're very funny. Inappropriate sports names. You guys, I'm not saying any of them on the air. You can go look. It's very <laughs> funny though. It's a very funny thread. <laughs> anyway, what do you think this weekend? You think uh, you think the Jets have a shot or what? <laughs> um, the Jets have a shot? No, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> A, a, a shot at, at getting a higher draft pick. I think yeah, that, that's, that's what they have a good shot at. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, thanks for taking the call. I'll be quick. I just want to say, you know, uh, RIP Imus. You know, we all started somewhere, and uh, I know he's a big influence on everything that's happening at the fan today from way back when, and uh, sad to hear that he passed too young, 79 years old. But uh, God bless him, and uh, Godspeed. You know, it's... Uh, it, Everybody at the fan, you know, we've been listening for years, and your voices resonate with the people, and, you know, you become part of our lives as we go, you know, looking for something to take the edge off. You know, call in and uh, have some great sports conversations that make uh, make people's lives a lot easier. So thank you to you, and also, you know, Honest really forged it ahead for everybody that, that came after. So kudos to him, too. God bless. Justin, and thanks for checking in on, on the spot here, on the weekly spot. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, he, he, he paved the way for, for a lot of people, um, both directly and indirectly, um, as you were just talking. I mean, I'm one of those indirect people. I told you before, I, I never really met him. Um, but, you know, very indirectly, I'm sitting in this chair because of him, because this WFAN kind of started with him, you know, with what he brought to the station and, there might not be a WFAN or as we know it without Don Imus. And, you know, I, I listening to all the callers and everything, I, I know what he meant to this station and the people here. Um, and that, and that speaks volumes about a person and, you know, Godspeed rest in peace to Don Imus. And um, we're going to hit more of your calls after the break. Uh, we could talk anything, everything and, and anything and everything is on the table tonight. So whatever you got, Give it to me, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. The Nets road trip begins tonight when they stop in Houston to take on James Harden in the Rockets. Our coverage gets underway at 745 with tip-off at 805, exclusively on your flagship station for Brooklyn Nets basketball. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. And good morning, everybody, at 5.42 in the morning here uh, at Saturday, December 28th, 2019. This is my last little rejoin with you guys in the year of 2019. Uh, The next time I'm going to be on is going to be, what is it, New Year's Eve into New Year's Day. So after the ball drops, 
Turn on the fan, 2 a.m. I will be here with you guys. So this is going to be your last chance to jump aboard, 877-337-6666. And there's one thing that I took away from the Jets-Steelers game. And you want to know what that is? Well, among a few things. But one of the things is the Heinz Ward Gatorade bath. What? So I'm sitting here thinking, like, why on earth would the Jets be giving a Gatorade bath to their wide receiver's coach after a meaningless game. Obviously, Heinz Ward is the guy. So I did a little digging, found this quote from Ward after the Steelers released him years ago. He said, this isn't how I wanted this chapter of my career to end. I did everything in my power to remain a Steeler and finish what I started here 14 years ago. Heinz Ward, who had two years left on his contract at a $4 million annual salary, was never offered a chance to take a pay cut. They just, the Steelers, flat out cut him. And a Steelers Super Bowl MVP that thought he could still play for the team he'd only ever known. A Steelers legend. Obviously, it was a bad breakup, as you've seen, I've heard, which I think I understand now the extra juice in the game. But to ask your players all week long to give you a Gatorade shower if you won that game, I think that's kind of childish. I think that's kind of selfish. It shouldn't have happened because the game meant nothing to the team of the Jets. And to make difficult the, you know, the outcome was all they did was they made difficult the path to the playoffs of his former team, his former team, his individual former team. That was the only reason. The Jets didn't even knock him out entirely, the Steelers. So it wasn't even a good game. The most receiving yards, we talk about wide receivers coach, Heinz Ward. The most receiving yards by a Jets wide receiver in that game was 60 yards. Very, very average if I do say so myself. And the Steelers had a revolving door at quarterback all game long. And the Jets, in their true Jets fashion, couldn't put the team away. Actually almost lost the game. Marcus May was the savior. They should have been dumping it on him. He absolutely saved the game on the, with a goal line Bomb pass breakup on uh, the intended receiver, number 13, James Washington. They were both jumping for possession of it. It was a jump ball. Washington secured it, and then May stuck his hand in there to jostle it loose. Game over. So to me, that Gatorade shower, one, I was confused by it, so I looked it up. You know, why, you know, psychologically, why could this be happening? And then two, I'm still not with it. I'm really not. I don't agree with it. And it's just immature. It's very selfish of Heinz Ward to be literally asking his players to dump it on him if they won the game. Come on, man. Alan in New Jersey, you're on the fan. Hi. Uh, I, I just wanted to say that I recently started listen, listening to you in the morning. I drive to work every morning, and I put you on the radio instead of listening to my music now because you're just... A, a joy to listen to. Oh, thanks. But, um, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I actually have a question. Uh, typically not a New Jersey boy question, but um, the Carolina Panthers just replaced our head coach. And I'm kind of wondering where you think our season, our next season leads to with the looks like potential purposely throwing of our season, considering our five game winning streak followed by a seven game losing streak. Um, and what Kyle Allen potentially serves for us, considering that we 
basically have given up on Cam Newton and the Chargers want him already. Uh, Alan, that, that's a good question. It's it's not a typical New Jersey question. Usually the, the New Jersey Carolina Panthers questions come from or about Greg Olson. And the Panthers are on a very, I don't want to say historic because I don't know the history of the Panthers, but it's it's a really bad losing streak. Lost to Green Bay, lost to Atlanta, lost to New Orleans. And uh, what's the deal with Allen? Well, I, I don't know what the deal with Allen is, to be honest with you. Um, looking him up now, he's a rookie quarterback. Quarterback rating is absolutely terrible. Um, if it's up to me, and if I'm the GM of the Panthers, I'm going back to Cam Newton. And I know he hasn't been the dude for you guys down there, but like, Allen is not. Allen is is not. And you got a guy like Christian McCaffrey on your team who is, who is absolutely outstanding. Really, he he's a he's a running back, and he's a pass catcher. And to kind of sort of I don't want to say waste him, you know, waste his talent, you know. But I feel like that's what they're doing. I just feel like that's what they're doing because they also and here's another thing too. I'm looking at this when you see the the rusher obviously is McCaffrey and you have the high receiver, you know, highest yards as a receiver and if it's McCaffrey too that kind of tells me that you have a little deficiency in the wide receiver position. And if the season ended right now like today without the sound like my mom there without uh without the uh, week 17 games um, obviously factored in, the Panthers are looking at the eighth overall pick in the draft. You got teams in front of them that, uh, let me see, two teams, let's say. The Giants and the Jaguars are probably not looking for quarterbacks. So are there six, is is this six deep, this quarterback? Oh, actually, the Redskins are not looking either, I don't think. So is this quarterback class five deep? I, I don't know if that's a good spot to be in if, if you're if you're eighth. Um, so they're going to have to figure it out. I think the easy way to be go to going back to Cam Newton, but you know maybe easy isn't always better. So I, I don't know. That's that's my long winded answer for I don't really know what the Carolina Panthers should do um, with their quarterback situation, but you know they they've given this guy Allen plenty of chances always since week three. And he's five in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. No, I can't count that. Five, five in a lot. Five in a lot of losses. So um, I don't know. But but we're more focused on what our quarterbacks are doing here. And Daniel Jones is having a literally almost record-breaking season. I mean, what was it? He needs four touchdowns to tie the rookie record for touchdowns in a season. That was set by Baker Mayfield. And Daniel Jones has thrown. Four t- at least four touchdowns. What was it three times this season so far? So, I mean, he could tie it. I mean, if he goes off and throws five, I don't think that's going to happen. But if he goes off and throws five, I mean, you're looking at a record-breaking season for him. We got a little check-in from, from the Candlelight Bar and Justin in Westchester. <laughs> um, but... Daniel Jones is having a career season under Pat Shermer. 
And that is reason number one why I think Pat Shermer should be able to keep his job. Because are you going to put, are you going to jeopardize that? I mean, he's having a career season. Are you going to bring somebody else in and have the production go down? I mean, I, I could see bringing somebody else in for the Jets because strictly because of the, the production of the quarterback. I mean, you got Todd Bowles, a defensive guy, and then you got Adam Gase, the offensive guru. And guess what? Sam Darnold's putting up almost literally identical numbers under Bowles and under Gase. That almost knocked me off my couch this morning when I saw that. <laughs> That's my favorite saying. That almost knocked me off my couch. So I think you got to take a good hard look if, if you're Jets ownership about what's going on here. And honestly, the Jets coming in as underdogs to, to the, the JV Buffalo Bills, I mean, come on. And to go into Buffalo and try to beat that team in Buffalo with those fans, those fans that waited in the freezing, freezing cold, climbed over barbed wire to take selfies with Josh Allen, that jump off their RVs and threw tables, throwing people's elbows like like The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. That's where you're going to go in and try and get a steal a win to a JV team as a one and a half point underdogs. I mean, really? I don't think so. I don't think that's happening. And as far as resting the starters uh, on the Bills' perspective, you know. My philosophy is let your marquee guys get a couple reps, maybe a quarter worth in action, but by no means should they be playing this entire game, and that seems to be the plan. And now there's an interesting word choice by Jamal Adams. Maybe a Freudian slip, maybe it wasn't. But he says, yeah, we're coming after them. We're hunting, man. It's a playoff game for us. This is Jamal Adams. It's a playoff game for us. We hear they're going to start their starters. That's good. Well, hunting, coming after them, remember – Greg Williams in the Bounty Gate scandal when he was with the Saints. Actually, someone asked Sean McDermott about it. So good job. I don't know who that was, but that was a good job. Did that factor in his decision to, to you know, how many minutes to give his, his, his marquee dudes? And Sean McDermott said, yes, that has been factored in, the, the Bounty scandal. It's been discussed, and I don't want to go any further than that. So clearly he's expecting some dangerous play. Because he continued to say to issue a challenge to the officiating crew already. He said, this is Sean McDermott, he said, it's got to be played the right way, and that's where the officials have to do their job. We respect their job, and we expect them to do their job. And as you know, the whole Bounty Gate scandal, when Williams and Saints players pulled their money to get give out performance bonuses, basically. And Sean Payton tried to cover up the scheme, and general manager failed to shut it down, Whatever. So since then, though, Williams, to me, didn't learn his lesson because he's been accused of operating similar schemes during his tenure as defensive coordinator of the Tennessee Oilers slash Titans and the Washington Redskins and as the head coach of the Bills. And the NFL briefly, briefly, briefly investigated these allegations, accusations, but they elected to focus on the Saints. Oh, and here's another thing. The Jets give up the highest... Oh, is it the highest? Yeah, I guess I said third highest, but I guess it is the highest now after Week 16 play. Totals, yards on penalties in the entire league. So when you're asking me, when it comes down to it, this 1 o'clock game, is it going to be the Jets or the Bills? Man, I'm taking the Bills all day long. I said Bills 20, 
Jets 10. And for the Giants game, I had a high-scoring affair. I had Giants 28, Eagles 24. Thanks to all the callers. You guys could not have done it without you guys. It's been a fun four hours. Great job to Emmanuel buying a glass. Marco on the updates. Richard Neer is up next. And mark it down. You guys have the 9 a.m. hour, uh, the tribute to Don Imus. See you guys right after the ball drops in Times Square, 2 to 6 a.m. on New Year's Day. Hit my socials at Coach McCartan and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. We will keep this conversation going from this point on. Happy New Year. And this is the last time in 2019 I will be on with you guys. See you on the 1st. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66. The Fan WFAN.